just some quick housekeeping over here. I'll be bringing some sponsors on board for Misfits very soon. Um, they will usually be at the start of the episode. So if you guys don't really enjoy or you guys heard of this before, you can just fast forward it. It'll be at the start and the end. And just like to ensure that every one of you guys who are listening that all the sponsors are products or services that can stand behind and I've tried. So if you guys have any uh, qualms or problems with any of these products or services, please, please, please bring it out. Uh, just uh, shoot an email to me and uh, I'll be notified. Hey podcast listeners, welcome to episode 19 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the outliers, the unconventionals in Singapore. Trying to see things how they see it and to learn from them. So some of these individuals include Gina Tao, who started an ice cream cart business and brought a BMW all under the age of 22. Uh, Dr. Loretta Chen, who is the consultant to the Kingdom of Bhutan. Uh, we have Danny Wong and a whole lot more. This podcast is brought to you by Autism. If you don't know already, research is concluding that sitting all day is terrible for you. There's this new health phrase going on. It's called sitting is the new smoking. So if you're like me, I went to Ikea and tried one of those self-cranking desks and uh, I can just foresee that it's such a pain. So with Altizen, it has actually a motorized system in it that you put it on your tabletop and transform your table into a standing desk. So and what's cool is that it's also intelligent. It's tracks and actually coaches you to develop these new habits with a sensor and the smartphone apps model starts at 1350 so check it out at altizen.com to see which might be the right fit for you and if you decide to get one you can quote misfits to get a $400 off Altizen immediately uh, offers limited to the first 10 customers so just shoot them an email and quote misfits and today on the show, we have Violet Lim. She's the co-founder and CEO of Lunch Actually, the largest dating company in Southeast Asia, uh, which started here in Singapore. Since 2004, Lunch Actually acquired five companies and now have offices in KL, Penang, Hong Kong, Jakarta, and Thailand. She's also the CEO of Lunch Click, a dating app that prides itself on disallowing the uh, messaging function. So Violet is also the president of the Matchmaking Institute of Singapore. When Singapore is looking to solve their uh, falling birth rate, she's one of the go-to person to discuss on this topic. So in this conversation, we spoke about how to increase the odds of successful dates, how Violet kickstarted lunch, actually. Uh, Violet's advice on when to commit to a marriage and much, much more. So uh, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with Violet Lim. So welcome to the show. I'm, uh, I'm so glad you're wearing purple today. <laughs> Because that shall be my first question for you. So, so tell us about Purple, uh, why are you always in Purple? And uh, tell me about the marketing genius. I, I, I met him a little bit before. And so who is this mysterious guy? Okay, so um, my name is Violet. Okay, uh, it's actually given to me by my dad. Okay, so my dad, when he was growing up, he came across this name. And then he said that if he ever have a daughter, uh, he would name her Violet because she, he felt that it was a very unique name. So that was the name that I was given, uh, but I only use it during... Kindergarten. 
Yeah, and after that, like when I went to primary school, I stopped using it because I actually went to a Chinese school and most people couldn't pronounce the name and then they make fun of it. They are like, uh, you know, toilet, pilot. And, and I think with a Chinese school, usually we go with the Chinese name anyways. So uh, very quickly, I, I dropped uh, Violet and then I just used my uh, Chinese name, which is Xiao Yan. Okay. Yeah, so uh, for the longest time, like primary, secondary, uh, even when I did my A-levels, it was Xiao Yan. And it was only when I did my master's when I went back to Violet. Yeah, so it was, it's quite interesting because people who meet me at different stages of my life, they would know me as a different name. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when we started the business, we were of course you know, thinking how we're going to brand it, how we're going to position it. And um, when it comes to colour, we think that colour is very important, you know, like how the brand feels. And um, being in the love business, of course, like the so-called de facto colour is like red, right? But we felt that red is a bit too in your face. Yeah, and um, and then we thought blue is quite good because it conveys like trustworthiness, you know, like that's why you got, all your banks are like blue, right? But we thought again, that's too corporate. So we thought um, purple, you know, or violet is, is quite nice. It's sort of like in between. Yeah, and it's also like the colour of royalty and things like that. And I guess coincidentally, my name is Violet as well. Um, I did not start off wearing uh, violet all the time. Yeah, but it was maybe uh, one year into the business and then uh, my... Uh, then boyfriend, now husband Jamie, yes. So he, he suggested like, you know, why not whenever you have media appearances, just dress in violet. Then, you know, it's sort, sort of like, it's a good anchoring, you know, like uh, people can remember you, right? And I thought, yeah, that seems like a good idea. And that was when I started doing it. And the more more I, I did media appearances and I have to start like getting more clothes in the colour of purple. So eventually now like 80% of my wardrobe is in violet. <laughs> yeah. So so it is quite funny because when people see me not in purple, they will be like, hey, Violet, how come you're in black today? As if it's like a very strange thing. And I'm like, you know, I do have a clothes in other colour. <laughs> so, so Chinese New Year is also violet or, or... Um, the first day was actually oh, okay. in pink this year. Oh, okay. The second day was in violet. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> and and who and, and who is this a uh, 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 mysterious person? Tell me a little bit about about Jamie. Okay, so uh, Jamie and I met when we were in university. Yeah, and um, I always tell my uh, clients, right, I say, you know, then I wasn't so enlightened. I say, you know, like when I was looking out for um, a boyfriend, then it was very simple. I have like three uh, golden rules. Wow. Yeah, so okay, I say yeah. he must be taller than me. Yeah. <laughs> then he must be smarter than me and he must love me. Yeah, so um, Jamie, I met him actually at... Um, um, an event, so we were at the singer, uh, no, I was at the Malaysian Student Society. Uh, we were having an AGM, yeah, and then um, he came to lend us the projector. So I was actually running for president, yeah, and then uh, subsequently um, I didn't get president, yeah. I, though he was very puzzled, like very why sick. did I run for president in the first place? Because because I was like a direct entry student, so okay. that means I didn't do my first year in uh, in University of Manchester. I actually did it in Malaysia. And then second year, I went to uh, Manchester. So technically, I mean, if you're running for election, right, like it's, it's a popularity contest. The more friends you bring, the chances of you winning is higher. Yeah, but obviously, you know, me being very idealistic, I thought like, you know, as long as I have good plans for the society, I give a fantastic uh, speech, I would stand a chance. So he was quite uh, uh, interested to find out who is this person, right, who just came and like running for president. So, All and... that matters too, by the way. <laughs> 
So, so I, I mean, I didn't win, but um, su subsequently they say, why don't you run for general secretary? Of which I didn't prepare a speech for general secretary. I wasn't sure what was I supposed to say. But coincidentally, uh, Jamie is the general secretary, secretary of the Singapore Student Society. So he, he shared with me like the pointers, you know, like this is what you should say, you know, to like win as a general secretary, which I did. And then I, I got the position. <laughs> so that, that was how we first met. Oh. Yeah, but actually when we first met, I was seeing someone else. So there was like no romantic interest. Mm. Yeah, but subsequently we met again like about two, three years down but, the road. But he did prove the point that he's smarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so two, three months down the road, we met again at uh, the Singapore Student Society Dinner and Dance. Yeah, and that by the time I've broken up with like, you know, the person I was seeing. Oh, that was fast? <laughs> and, and that was how uh, we, we started. Yeah. Um, another thing is that we actually only dated for three and a half months. Like, uh, that means we, we met each other physically three and a half months. And after that, we have a two and a half years long distance relationship. Yeah, because you went to study. Yeah, I continued my uh, degree and then my master's. And he did too. He went somewhere else. Um, uh, no, he graduated. Oh, you, oh back yes. then he was oh, yes. he graduated already. Yes, that's right. Oh wow, that that is crazy that that you know you you can live at long distance relationship yes. and, and still make it happen, yes, yes. and so it's good a good uh, rare anomaly and, and and people who have yeah long and and that's why I I just want to say that you. I just got very lucky because you know I wasn't really looking out for things that you know I should have been looking out which is what we are sharing with our clients nowadays yeah but I just got lucky and like with my very shallow and superficial criteria I managed to find the right guy. <laughs> Hey, you know what? So, so tell me a little bit about the the the, the qualities of, of Jamie after dating. Um, mm -hmm. that, that sort of made you, you know, jump the, uh, like like pull the trigger. Mm. So when I first met Jamie, I I felt that um he has this very um he always looks very troubled. Yeah, so so that's that's something that like some other people think as well. But uh, once I get to know him, actually he he opens up. Like he's actually an introvert. When we first met, uh, subsequently when we started dating, it it was quite funny. It's like I brought him to uh, my high school reunion, like ten year high school reunion, and he actually brought a book. Do you remember what book is it? <laughs> no, he, he, he's just very introverted. So he was like just thinking, uh, he doesn't know who he should be talking to. So he brought a book just in case he gets very bored. Yeah, um, but after we got to know each other, I would say it, we, we just gelled very well. Like we, I, I would say we are very good friends. Yeah, and I think that's very, very important in uh, any relationship because, you know, like the initial passion, like eventually it will fizzle out, but it's very important to have that connection. So even up to today, like uh, we have been together for, um, since we know each other is 17 years. Yeah. And um, we still can talk. Like, we can just keep talking and talking and talking. So the connection is there. And uh, another thing that really impressed me about Jamie is that he really looked after other people. Yeah, he always put other people first uh, than himself, which sometimes also can be a problem. Yeah, but I, I felt that, you know, he's just so kind. And um, I feel that this quality is very important in, like, someone that, uh, you know, I want to spend the rest of my life with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, I hope Jamie listens to this. <laughs> Okay, so 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 let's. Uh, I think you do a lot of things, right? Um, so maybe this is a good starting question. If someone were to come to you on the streets, mm -hmm. and maybe to this day, uh, well, even if you're in violet, right, in purple, <laughs> uh, and they come up to you, hey, what do you do? Yes. How, how how would you answer that question? Um, I usually would start to say like uh, I'm a professional matchmaker because usually that would be like they would double take. Yeah, then after that, I'll share a bit uh, with them like what else I do. Because of course, you know, like matchmaking is um, my chosen profession. But uh, to me, the very interesting part is building the business as well. 
So uh, I do see myself as an entrepreneur. No, I'm, we are going to talk a little <laughs> bit about that because yes. you, you, uh, I'm just while doing my research, I was just like uh, flabbergasted uh, of um, the things that you have done. And and guess what? It's been around for fifteen, uh, thirteen years. Thirteen, thirteen yes. years already. Yes. Wow! And you did like five acquisitions, yes, yes. Uh, and you have expanded all around uh, yes. Southeast Asia. Yes. Oh yes! And now <laughs> wait, so I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. This number here. So this is like a ninety people company or uh, currently grown or we spring? are at 110 oh my god okay yes. okay 110 yes and there's an amazing team yes. well there's you Jamie and then you, you subsequently uh, got a few others Caden yes. uh, uh, to, to join yes. as well yes. so you know one thing I'm very curious about is that when you started Lance actually mm -hmm. the vision wasn't you say it wasn't to start a mom and pop shop mm -hmm. and in fact your first sale was actually done by associate yes yeah, um, so who and why has influenced you to build the, the, the business in this fashion? <clears throat> okay, so actually my parents, they are not very supportive of uh, me like quitting my job and starting a business initially because they have been running small businesses for the longest time and I think they felt that it was really difficult. So um, me, you know, being an only daughter, like obviously they want the best for me. So they were very willing to invest uh, in me to get a very good education. So actually I read law at uh, Manchester and then I did a master's uh, in London School of Economics and my first job was actually with a bank. So actually when I first told them I wasn't going to be a lawyer, they were not too happy <laughs> but 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 you know they thought okay banker is, is you know very good as well right so um, then they were like, okay fine fine you know, go and be a banker um, and I think the reason is that being um, small small business owners themselves they know it's just very very tough you know because you most of the time it, it, it needs you to be in the business yeah and so when um, Jamie and I started this business like from day one we knew that we do not want to be working in the business we want to be working on the business because I think if we are just working within the business, it's very difficult to grow it. Yeah, so I think from day one, that was a very clear vision that we wanted. And that's why we hired someone from day one. You know, if you think about it, we could have just done it on our own. Like, you know, he could have been like the, the operations and I could be the, you know, front facing and that's it. But we knew that because we wanted to grow it. So from day one, we already hired someone. Yeah, and um, I think the other thing is we also understand that this business is very niche. So if we want to, you know, make it to a certain size, it's very difficult to just be in Singapore as well. So again, from day one, we knew that we have to expand out of Singapore, which I think to us then, it didn't seem very different until like, we started meeting other people and then they would start asking us questions like, oh, you're so um, daring, you know, so courageous. How come you, you are so quick to like just expand to a new market? But I think for us, it was something we didn't feel that was a choice. It's because that was the vision all along, yes, too. Yes, I, I mean, it's like, if you ask me right now, like, did I know then that we would be where we are right now? I would say I didn't have such a clear vision or direction then, but what I knew is that we wouldn't be a mom and pop shop. Like, we will, like, uh, expand as much as we can because I think the objective is also like we want to reach out to as many singers as possible because I mean since we are helping singers and if we have already built up the, the pipeline, the system, why not, you know, reach out to more people? Wow, that is fascinating because like what you said, a lot of people would actually start off with uh, a mom and pop shop yeah. first and then maybe making that happen. You guys just totally skipped that step and then and went ahead like, well, let's just do the whole, uh, which is what's very uh, common now, which yeah. is the whole startup yes. uh, thing and yes. like, get, get, get yeah. funding and all, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so you talk about you took a law degree back in London. Uh, Manchester. Uh, Manchester, yeah. correct. What sort of gave you the courage to... To, to switch, like, you know, mid-place. Because, I, I mean, mom and dad, obviously, yes. really want you to do law. Yes. yes. 
Um, for me, it was not so much the courage. For me, it was like when I did law, there was a reason why I did law. Okay, so first, of course, uh, by a process of elimination. <laughs> because uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't like math. Yeah, and it's like there's not many degrees out there where you can totally not have math. Yeah, I already checked it out. Okay. Yeah, law is one of the very few. Doctor? Doctor? <laughs> uh, I am afraid of blood. <laughs> so so I, I eliminated that out very early, you know, like as I was growing up. So um, that, that was one of the reasons. Um, the other reason is why I went into law was I wanted to either practice family law or uh, criminal law. Yeah, and the reason for that is because I enjoy working with people. And I feel that these are the two fields like it's, it's like very um, clearly, you know, you're working with people. So when I was studying law, actually, um, you know, joined a law firm during my uh, school holidays uh, to, to help out, to find out more. And uh, when the boss knew that I was interested in family law and uh, criminal law, so he gave me some uh, cases to read. And uh, for the family law, the more I read, the more depressed I got. Yeah, because um, I, I remember one of, one of the most depressing cases I read is where the... Um, one of the clients, right, our client, actually asked us to draft a letter to his ex-wife or ex-husband, I can't remember, you know, like who we were representing. So basically, it just says that um, our client would like to instruct your client uh, to pick up their son, like, uh, next week, uh, Wednesday at 4pm from the school. So it's, like, so depressing, right? Like, they can't even talk to each other, like, on such a trivial matter without sending a legal letter. Yeah, so, so to me, that was very depressing. And then uh, we also went to court to, uh, you know, like observe like divorce cases. And that's when I realised that getting married and getting divorced is quite similar. Yeah, so you, you say I do, but in, instead of saying I do to getting married, you say I do to getting divorced. So, so I, I just cannot imagine like, you know, doing this for the rest of my life. And I think um, criminal law was also eliminated because um, my boss was saying that it's not a very good place for women to go, walk in and out of prisons all the time. Yeah, so that, that was the reason why um, after a couple of uh, attachments at the law firm, I decided that I wasn't going to practice law. And once I made the decision, I started like picking uh, subjects that I was interested in. So it, it's not very helpful, honestly. Like um, on hindsight, maybe I should have studied like corporate law and things like that, which I didn't. So I was studying things like law, medicine and ethics, law of freedom of speech, uh, media law, which are things that I'm very interested in, but might, might not be very helpful going forward. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and so, so how did, how, how, how did that, you know, brought up to mom and, and was it a, like a payphone? Because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Adrian, Adrian Pan, uh, which I just interviewed, yeah. and he was like, he need to like do it on the payphone and it was like a lot of shouting and, and crying. Um. I, I think that that time it was still okay because like I think they, they didn't understand like um, whatever subjects I take, what kind of impact it would have anyways, right? So to them, it's like, it's fine. You still have a law degree. Yeah. But I think what really uh, got them by surprise and um, they didn't take so well was when I told them I was going to quit my job at the bank to start a matchmaking agency. Yeah, so that, that was really uh, quite quite funny because I, I took a coach back to uh, KL, that's where my parents are, and then uh, I sort of like, okay, I have very important news to tell you, you know, like sort of sit them down. And I actually went with Jamie, so maybe, you know, like they were hoping like I was saying like, I was going to get married or something, right? I, I don't know. So, so I was like, uh, Dad and Mom, you know, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, uh, which, you know, the, the face already start to change, right? Uh, and I'm going to start a matchmaking business and it's like their jaw like dropped literally, right? And, and then after that, you know, once they recovered very quickly, they like asked me why, you know, and then uh, I shared with them that, oh, Jamie and I, you know, we want to do this together. And then they were very smart because um, Jamie by then have already quit his job for close to a year. 
because Jamie was very clear that he wanted to run a business, but he just didn't know what business exactly he wanted to do. So he was looking around for business ideas. And when I shared this idea with him, he, he really caught on because he was working in a bank as well. And he could see why there's a gap in the market. So anyway, back to my parents. So they were like, oh yeah, since Jamie has already quit his job, why not, you know, he focus on it and you do it part time. And if things kind of work out, then you can quit your job and join him which is very logical if you think about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think I'm the type of person that um, if I do something, I want to give it my 100%. So it's either I do it or I don't do it at all. Because I do not want to have regrets. I do not want to one day look back, you know, for example, if the business didn't work out. I don't want to look back one day and think like, what if? You know, what if I've quit my job and have done this 100%, would it have worked out? Yeah, so um, finally, right, I understood why I studied law. So with the persuasion skills, you know, that I have honed, right. <laughs> I managed to, you know, like persuade them and explain to them yeah. why this is a good idea. It is so fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so a uh, little bit backstory, a little bit. Yeah. So I was chatting with Agent Pan, yes. and I was like, hey, you know, I was doing research, Agent. Yes. Like I was talking to Agent Pan, which is the author and a lawyer yes, of yes. the teenage text. I was like, yes. hey, you no, know, you guys are both from. Oh no, actually, we're the same class. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we were chatting with uh, Agent Tan and he was talking about um, um, persuasion and, yeah. and there's a lot of people are, are, are not doing that enough and that there's very different between logical argument and persuasion. I was like, oh wow, fascinating. <laughs> I'm glad you picked that out. You know, that, yes, well, yes. If not, lunch actually wouldn't be where yeah, it is here and, today. And then they, they begrudgingly, you know, like uh, reluctantly gave me their blessings. But I mean, once, once they jumped in, like uh, definitely they have been our greatest supporters. Yeah. Fantastic. What so you know you have this vision of this company and, mm -hmm. and, and, and now you have you need to raise some funds mm -hmm. and uh, and I read that you guys raised probably about hundred fifty thousand and uh, uh more more more, more. yeah <laughs> so oh when we first started yeah, you mean? Started, oh yes yeah. yes about there yes that's oh, right yeah <laughs> and back then it was like thirteen years ago yes, so yes, it was yes. like quite a, quite a bit yes, yes. so what was the pitch that you guys brought to um to to the investors. I would say again, I mean, we were very, very blessed, like seriously. So um, when we, we had this idea of what we wanted to do, uh, again, we were very clear that, you know, we wanted to raise enough funds to be able to, you know, run it properly, you know, not just like, you know, starting uh, very small. But, I mean, it's still starting small, but at least we, we felt that we needed a proper office, you know, like, and to have that for rental and things like that, right? So we, we figured that we probably need about 150000 Uh So the first thing we did was to sit down and write a business plan. Yeah, and of course, both of us do not really have much experience in writing business plans. So, you know, like doing all the research online and whatever templates we have and coming together with something, right? So we did, we come up with the business plan and then we started coming out with a list of people that we can potentially pitch to. So um, people have asked, you know, why didn't we just go to family and friends, which is a very common route, like for people to start out with. But I think for us, we were not sure whether this was going to work out. So, I mean, of course, you know, like, yes, you, you put your heart into it, you work very hard to make sure it works out, but there's no guarantees, right? Yeah. And I think we were just very afraid that what if it doesn't work out and we do not want to let our friends and family down. Yeah, so with, with that thought in mind, like, what our plan was, was to put in all our own savings yeah, into it and then raise the other half. So you guys put 70? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we, we went out and uh, we, we had a list. And the first person we wait, approached... Wait, tell, tell me about the list. How do you came out with the list? Um, the list would be, you know, people that we met uh, through our career. Because ah, I worked okay. for about one and a half years. That's right. And then Jamie worked for about two years each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the people that we met in the different, um, I would say, 
uh, committees or like organizations that we, we join. So the first person we approach is actually uh, someone that we know from Toastmasters. Yeah, so Toastmasters is a public speaking club. And um, so, so the story actually is that when I was studying in London for my master's, Jamie joined a public speaking club, Toastmasters in Singapore. And then he was telling me about it. He said, it's really good. And then he said, why don't you join one in London as well? Yeah, which, which I did. So uh, then when I came back to Singapore, like um, we joined the same club. So during those years, we, we served on the board as well. Yeah, and um, so the first person we, we approach is someone that we know from there and he was also the committee member around the same time as us. He, he doesn't really know the dating business. Yeah, he has no idea like, you know, what is it? Like, why would it work? But he told us like upfront that he was investing because of us. Yeah, so he said that um, when he invests, it's more about, uh, he said um, say it's not on the horse, but it's on the jockey. Yeah, so he feels that, you know, we are the jockey and the business is the horse, right? So, so he said that he, uh, based on his working experience with us, like he feel that um, we have the X factor and that was the reason he invested. So in that sense, we were very lucky because like we only pitched once and then we got the uh, got investment. Got, yeah. What, so you got the rest? The rest of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. You know, these days is so sad. I mean, not sad, but I mean, it's so scary, this whole pitching thing. Yes, and, and, yes, and everybody has been like, oh, I didn't yes. get this round. I know, yes. let's do it for the next round. Yes, yes. Also, you're just lucky to, yes, to have someone. Yes, wow. I think, like, you know, we have worked together previously yeah. and like based on his working um, relationship with us and how he saw us like pushing the club. Because I think when you're working in a committee like mm. for uh, Toastmasters or other organisations, it's a voluntary organisation. So I think people could see that even if you're not paid, but you know, you're so passionate about it. I think maybe those were some of the things that he saw in us. Wow. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> and so paint us of this picture of this uh, first office that you got for, for lunch, actually. How does it look like? Paint a picture. Um, it's about 700, 800 square feet. Uh, once you walk in, that's the logo wall. And then on your left, that's the uh, working office. Uh, it can fit about five people. And then um, on the right, that's a small little like lounge. Yeah. And then there are three meeting rooms. Ooh, yes. this is where that magic happens. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and 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 your 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 first sales is by this associate. Yes, that's right. So tell tell me about your first client. You know, like uh, how did you know about you, and um, and how do you feel? Uh, so when we first started, it was really uh, through word of mouth. So like we tell our friends, our relatives, like this is what we are doing, and then we say like if you know of any friends uh, who are single, please recommend them to us. You know because we are starting out, uh, we are having a very special promo, special rate. So so that's how it went about. And this uh, first client is actually a friend of our brother-in-law. And then and, and and I mean if you don't mind, like what, what is the what's the, the, the special rate and, and about this client? Is she is she still a friend and Oh yes, 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 definitely oh, he's still a friend. I mean he's now happily married. He didn't oh, okay. meet someone through us. Okay, yeah, okay. but uh, you know, he, he gave very good uh, feedback, you know, on that consultation itself and of course guess gave us testimony on the service. Yeah. Oh that's fantastic. Yes. No, I mean, I would just want to underscore that a little bit for, for anybody who are, are starting uh, a business is, is really just to reach out to your, your closest circles. Yes, yes. And, and, and hopefully, I mean, your business don't end there. Uh, yes, but yes. if those people that come over to you and start raving about business or recommending others, then you know there's something yes, that, sure. that you know you can, can work on. Yes. And as a first-time manager, because you are really sort of like, you, you, you distance yourself from being an associate yes, and yes, being a manager. Yes. You know, how do you strike the balance of being firm and being related? 
Uh, oh, it's it's very very difficult. Yeah, I, I mean like seriously, like I think that was one of the biggest challenges, because when I quit my job, I was twenty four years old, and obviously when I joined the bank, like I joined it as an entry level staff, right? And I mean I've never had any management experience. No, not even RM. No. Yeah, I I joined as a management associate. Oh, so wow, we we get yeah, so we get like um rotated quite a bit, and then from there you know like they'll see whether you have like um you know potential, then they will fast track you, right? But but I wasn't there yet. Like so it was like still very entry level. So when we started a business, one of the things that like, we need to hire, we need to manage, we need to retain and things like that. And I think I made um a similar mistake that most managers make, which is you try and be their best friend. So in a way you try and you try and bribe them. Like so you're thinking like the nicer you are to them, the more you bribe them, the the more likely they will do their work well and things will go well. Which actually doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. So. 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 I think what happened was like um, chances are you'll be taken for granted. You know, like you'll be taken opportunity off. Uh, and 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 it came to like a uh, quite a a bad situation where I think like the general manager then almost like you know uh, uh wanted to do like a coup. You know, like getting all our existing people to kind of leave us or like to rebel against us. So so it was really stressful. Um, and that time. I was pregnant with my daughter. Yeah, so it was so stressful that um initially the plan because I gave birth to my son in Malaysia because my mom is in Malaysia, so it's just much easier, you know. She's there to help me with the confinement and things like that. So that was the plan for my daughter as well. So I've booked my gynae, I booked the um hospital room and things like that, right? And um I couldn't go back because things was just so bad. And then I I couldn't spare that um one month to go back because I have to go back a month before I'm due because if not then you know it's a bit too um you know mafan and things like that. Yeah, so it's like all of a sudden, like I have to figure out, okay, who, where am I going to give birth? You know, I have to like find uh, my gynae. On top of this new stress. Yes, oh, yes, wow. and I, I mean this is a side note of the story, right? That's yeah. why now I. Next to the story. Yeah, which which I tell like uh, pregnant ladies or like um, moms to be. So I tell them right, like how you are during the pregnancy would really affect your baby. Because I I really see that in my kids. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm serious. So when when I was pregnant with my son, um, that year, right, like that 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 nine ten months, you know, I I was with him, like it was like I would say the best, like uh, I was so relaxed. I, I don't know whether it's him or it's me, but I was like you know going through life, like you know, it's the uh, everybody is so nice, you know, the world is so beautiful. I am like yeah, world peace, you know, like that. That's the kind of thought that go through my mind, like that that entire period. And when my son was born, he's like very cheerful. He's really like sunshine. Like he brings so much joy and laughter to our entire family. And till today, you know, he's very uh, positive, you know, very optimistic. When I was pregnant with my daughter, you know, like I mentioned, I was just so stressed, right? I, I have to like be like, you know, uh, trying to like firefight, make sure that my team doesn't leave me, you know, trying to make sure the business continue to grow. And um, once my daughter was born, I, I would say she's really like a grumpy baby. And for the first few years of her life, like I mean, first two or three years of her life, she really rarely smiled. <laughs> yeah, but I think subsequently, because you know, we shower her with so much love and attention and everything, right? Like now, now she's like on track. You know, she's she's okay. <laughs> yeah. So so this is something to take note of for you know our viewers out there who are planning to get pregnant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so what what you know after that whole you know wow this must be really tough for you yes. and and what. 
then what do you learn or what tools have you picked up to, to help in that uh, um, manner? I, I then like uh, subsequently really learn how to strike that balance. Like, you know, how to... Okay, okay. Yeah, so from that story, right? So from being like really nice, I swung to the other side of the pendulum. I'm like, oh, okay, fine, you know, like being nice doesn't work, you know, like I, I am so invested, I wanted to be your friend and then you don't want to be my friend, right, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so I just went to the other side and like, okay, forget it, I'm just going to be like this really bitchy boss, you know, like let's draw a line very clearly, you know, uh, obviously that doesn't work as well, <laughs> so... So, so it took me a while to really find that balance. And I think the balance is really like, um, they know work is work. Yeah, but they also know that, you know, if they have any problems, like they can come to me. I, I, my doors are really uh, always open. Like, in fact, you know, like later if I can just uh, show you a tour around. Like, I, I do not have my own office. So I sit in an open office with all my associates from day one. And uh, that, that's the way we, we wanted it to be. And um, that has worked out really well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so what you meant is, is, is just... Um... So you, you define work as work, but at the same time with the openness to, to help. Yes, yes. So, so it's like, okay. um, I, I think I have come to accept that probably I can never be at the same level. Like, like for example, my associates and, the, and, and their fellow associates, I can't have that level of closeness. So mm. I, I've come to accept that. And um, it's a bit difficult because actually I am a very, um, you know DISC is a profiling yeah, test. Yeah. yeah, so I'm very high I. Yeah, so to me, it's like, that's why, you know, I started off with like wanting to be everybody's best friend, right? But I realised that there needs to be that balance. Yeah, so I'm, I'm close to them. It's like, uh, we, we can talk about things, but at the same time, you know, like they know that I'm boss, you know, like there's like KPIs we need to hit and, and things like that. No, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I hope people who are, you know, entrepreneur, first-time entrepreneur or hiring the, the first person don't get too beat it uh, if they're having the experience yes. of being being a nice person yes. but also you know don't swing to the other end yes, and yes, yes if that doesn't work yeah well try, try to find a balance <laughs> yes um, you mentioned about building great teams and mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with uh, competent people yes. do you have a process or, or you know um, how do you how do you go about try to spot this and try to ask them to join your tribe mm. I think um, definitely when you first start a business, it's not easy to get good people because uh, honestly, people have no idea what you're doing and then like the industry that we are in is so niche. Mm. So they'll be like, uh, okay, what, what is this? Yeah. Uh, but of course, as we grow, like the reputation grow and um, it, it gets easier. So I think right now, the process that we have in place is that um, we have a few rounds of interview. So the first interview would be a skill set. Yeah, but um, that's just to make sure that, you know, they are able to do whatever, you know, they are hired to do. But more importantly is the second interview, which is the culture interview. So the culture, man, the person who is hiring for culture actually have veto. So both sides have veto. Like, for some reason, if the culture, the person who is in interviewing for culture feels that this person wouldn't be a good fit for our company. Can you explain veto a little bit? I'm just... Yeah, so, so for example, like, um, the hiring manager is like, say, oh, this person has all the skills that we need, you know, like, will be an A player in terms of skill set. But the person who is interviewing for culture, which is someone who has um, no vested interest, is, oh, okay. yeah, so, so two different yes, two different. So the 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 culture, the, culture, the person interviewing for culture would not be in the same department as the hiring manager. So, yeah. So because we feel that when when it comes to finding the right person, right? Like I always draw this like sort of uh, grid for them, right? So on one hand we have the performance. On the other hand we have the culture or attitude. So even though the person's performance is very high, but their culture is very low, that doesn't work out. Like in fact, like those are the people that are what we call like toss, toxic or poison. 
like people we should get rid of as soon as possible. So um, we are more open to like let's say people who are very high on culture, but maybe performance they are could be better. But I mean, of course, it cannot be very bad. But you know, could be better because those people we can groom and train. Mm. Yeah, or maybe we could uh, just make sure that they are in the right. Uh, we call it the right seat in the right bus, lah. Because for example, uh, I have had one associate. She started off with us as sales. So she didn't really uh, make the cut in terms of the KPI that we have set up for her then. Then we had another position which was as a, uh, what we call a coordinator, which is they work with the clients to um, arrange the day, to match make the client. And she was okay, but that was also not like, I wouldn't say she's really in her flow. Mm. But eventually we have a position in people care. Yeah, so in, in, in our uh, company, we call HR people care. Mm. Yeah, and um, she fitted the position perfectly. And now, you know, she's doing so well because she's really in her flow. And the, so the reason like why we kept her and then it was because she's very, very high on culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think this is something that we have done very successfully for our people. And uh, the other thing is also the way that we, um, we believe in really grooming people and bringing them to, up to the next level. Not so much like helicoptering someone in unless it's a very specific skill set. So, for example, if I need a, a CFO, then obviously I need to go outside and look for them. Yeah, or I need a CTO or something, right? But when it comes to like more sales and ops, like, you know, when they become like uh, team leads or branch managers or country managers, it's very sales and ops based. So, we rather promote within. So, people who have been with us, when they first started with us, they really start out very junior. But a lot of them have now successfully, now they are country heads or, you know, they are product heads. Yeah, that's 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 great uh, process. And also, do you personally go um, more 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 than your company? Do you personally go seek out this uh, competent and uh, extraordinary people? Mm, I I would say I'm always uh you know like keeping my eyes open. Yeah. So when I I see someone that I feel like they really go the extra mile, like I would share with them that hey, you know, it's like this is what I do. You know, if you are looking for a position, like please please do come and join us. I have not successfully done that in terms of recruiting yet, but it's something that I do. Uh, yeah, when okay. I, I meet new people, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a fun question. Yes. Um, your strong arguments with um, uh, and Jamie, yes. and you, you talk a lot about, yes. about, about that. Yes. Um, I just want to dig in a bit more. Yes. Like, what are, what, do you have some of the, uh, an argument that you remember that, you know, maybe you lose, mm-hmm. but you lose it like wholeheartedly. And it really like just cement that, you know, like, the, the better idea wins. It's like zero ego. Um, I I cannot remember a very specific issue. Yeah, but we, we have so many of this, like all the time. Because, you know, like again, back to the ISC, both Jamie and I, we are very high D. Yeah, so if you put two very high D people together, it's like, you know, sparks will definitely fly. Yeah, so it's, it's actually quite a... Uh, quite common if you ask our associates like who are in the same meeting as us it is quite usual that we would have different views uh, and uh, we will fight very uh, passionately for what we believe in because obviously you know like if, if I believe in my idea that's why I'll, I'll fight for it right and that's the time that where they will kind of like take a step back and they'll be like okay you guys go ahead right but, but at the same time uh, we are also quite different in the sense our style like uh, my leadership style is more consultative so you know i'll also like get the rest of them to 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 uh, chip in even though they are like a bit scared they're like okay you know like you, you guys are like already like really <laughs> going at it right um but 
subsequently, like usually, you know, of course, if it's a big decision, we can't make it there and there itself. Like so, so we are like, okay, like let's just take some time to digest it. And um, both Jamie and I, we we are quite good about it. So uh, he will digest it, I'll digest it, and of course, sometimes you know when we do go home, we are a bit like you know push swang la, you know like oh you know like you you uh, challenge me, I, I which I think is normal, right? Yeah. But um, it's okay. We'll talk it out, and then eventually we'll just come to a. Uh, somewhere we can meet. Like, it, it, it could be a combination of both ideas or it really could be his idea that was a better idea or my idea, uh, which is a better idea. But we really just, uh, like, it's fine. You know, like, uh, let's just go with what makes sense for the business. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that both of you are also very objective mm, in, in te- when, when you fight. So it's easy to come to that yes, common ground when you have something to, to, to level it. Yes. And, and I think um, being in this business is a, a, also a very good thing because it forces us to read a lot about like relationship uh, about like um, how to you know like uh, fight properly it, it, it's quite funny <laughs> yeah so so sometimes you know we will be like fighting and then suddenly we will just catch ourselves like you know in mid-air and we're like oh that's what that book is talking about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, so uh, I, I, I was reading through Jamie's profile and I, I saw this so sick idea yes yes what, what, what is that about so, so, so yeah. sick is our CRM system yeah, so when we first started, like, um, of course, you know, when we first started, you can still be very manual. Okay, wait, so just for those who do not know CRM, it's Customer Relationship yes, Management. that's right. Yeah. So when, when we first started, obviously, you know, like, we don't have that many members, right? So you can very well still be a very manual system, you know, just having files and, like, boxes. And that, that's actually what we did for, like, the first year-ish, right? But subsequently, as the business grow, we are like, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. We need to have a CRM system. And we did uh, look at some of the systems, like, you know, the off-the-shelf systems. We bought one of them actually but it, it just didn't work yeah so that's when we decided to build our own system and uh, Jamie's background like um, he was a IT analyst at the bank so even though he's not a programmer himself but you know he understand uh, enough of um, IT to be able to liaise with the person we work with to build the system yeah and this has been still the system yes. that you guys are relying on yes, for that's right I mean of course we, we have made you know many uh, new improvements and upgrades to it over the years and um, are there is there a favorite failure uh, that you have that end up being very important for you or planted a seed for later success? Favorite failure. Mm, let me think. What would be a favorite failure? <laughs> we can let that thought sit, and then we can come back to it. Yeah, yeah, okay. How about yeah. that? Let's move on with that. Mm. Um, I think. Lunch, actually, a lot of people who don't know about it, you guys launched so many different other ventures, yes. include Eterac, Easing, uh, Clickwise, and Lunch Click. Yes. And, and, and I just, what? Lunch yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, wow. Oh my God. So, can give me a, a brief timeline because I think I'm missing a few here, yes. even. Okay, so we started in 04 for Lunch, actually. So, Lunch, actually, is our personalized. Uh, service or we call it the lunch dating service so what basically work uh, works there is that our client will come to our office have a face-to-face um, interaction or consultation with our dating consultant from there our dating consultant will make a match we'll arrange the date we'll book the restaurant basically we do everything and on their end they just need to turn up at the restaurant get to know each other better and after that we'll contact them again for uh, to get their feedback and from there we do the whole cycle over again 
Yep. So that's lunch actually. Um, subsequently, we started Eaterac. So Eaterac is our first foray into online dating. Because I mean, of course, by then, you know, like Match.com, like all of this, you know, like it's really popular. And we are also seeing the trend that everybody is going online, right? So like, how can we also be part of that space? So we started Eaterac, which uh, we did speed dating online. Yeah, so you know, then uh, speed dating is very popular. So we are like, okay, rather than you know dress up and go to restaurant and do speed dating, why not do it online? Yeah, so I think we are, were a bit ahead of our time. <laughs> so I think right now, in a way, you see all this like zhibo, like you know, broadcasting, like bigo, all these things. Right? It's it's a bit like that, you know, like it's, um, but at that point, actually, people are not very open to showing their faces. Yeah. So that, that didn't work very well. Um, and of course, in terms of monetization, that didn't work well as well. Because what we realized that in Asia, people are not willing to pay just to message each other. Yeah, they, they want to pay for some sort of result or some sort of outcome. So from our experience with Eterac, we started eSync, e yeah, which is our hybrid service. So it's half online and half offline. So the uh, client does the work, the user does the first part of the work where they do a very comprehensive quiz, more than 100 questions. And after that, we'll give them um, the, um, their profile and also we'll give them profiles that matches them based on 16 areas of compatibility. And from there, they can look at their profile and decide whether they want to communicate with the person. Um, once they communicate with the person through like some um, Q&As and they decide that, yes, I want to meet out with this person, our dating consultant will take it offline for them. So that's where our dating consultant will come in and arrange a date for them. So that's easing. And... Um, after that, along the way, we realized that why is it so interesting that, um, like, for example, group A of our clients, like, we send them on a few dates, like, maybe three dates, five dates, they will find someone. And then group B, we can send them on, like, three dates, five dates, ten dates, fifteen dates, twenty dates, but they just cannot find someone. So, I was wondering to myself, it cannot be, like, my dating consultants are so biased. You know, it cannot be, like, they just... Uh, you know, play favoritism, you know, just want to help group A and not want to help group B, right? You have a system in place exactly, to match people exactly, too. Exactly, yes. So then that's when we realised that the reason for that is actually group A, when they come to us, they are already the right person. So a lot of singles, if you ask them, right, why they are single, chances are they'll say to you, I've not met the right one. But what we have realised that finding the right one is not just about meeting the right one, it's also about being the right one. So firstly, you need to be the right one and then meet the right one and you need to choose the right one, which is what is maybe missing for group oh, I B. I love that. I'm, we're going to dive in a lot <laughs> into that. Yeah, Yeah. so that, that's probably what is missing for, for group B. And that's where we decided to launch uh, Lunch Actually uh, Academy. Yeah, so uh, Lunch Actually Academy really comes from the perspective that we are looking to um, help people be... Uh, we wouldn't say that we want to change them because, you know, like we believe everybody should be authentic, they should be who they are, but we are just helping them to be a better version of themselves. So by equipping them with the right skill set and the right mindset. So mindset is very, very important because sometimes they might have the skill set but they don't have the mindset or, or like they are just keep choosing the wrong one. So that doesn't help as well. So that's how Lunch Actually Academy comes about. And um, recently we launched Lunch Click, which is our mobile app. So again, you know, like now in the market, there are so many mobile dating apps out there. But when we launched a mobile app, we didn't want to be another like Tinder clone. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that uh, it makes sense. And um, our focus has always been on serious daters. So our mobile app is very different from whatever that's out there in the market. And when we first launched, people think we are crazy because we killed chat. So in Lunch Click, people cannot chat with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we did that for a few reasons. Mm -hmm. What we have realised based on our other services is like chatting might not actually help you achieve your objective as quickly, uh, uh, quicker 
So for example, you think that chatting would help you to get on a date faster, but we realise that that might not be the case sometimes. Can I dive in a little bit uh, since we're on that topic? Yes, why, yes. Why, why, why do you think that is so? Okay, because not everybody can chat very well. Okay. Yeah, so for example, like some of the chats we have been noticing, right, it's it's really very boring. It goes like, the guy say hi, the girl say hello, then the guy say, uh, how are you, the girl say fine, and then the guy say, what are you doing, then the girl say, I'm working. Then you should like pop up, maybe you should go to <laughs> Lunch Actually Academy. <laughs> so we have a comprehensive program that teaches you how to chat better. Here's a PDF, uh, put in your email. <laughs> Yeah, so so it's like sort of go downhill from there. And the other thing what we have realized about chat is like it becomes like mini dates. So you are being assessed like every time. You know, like compared to dating a long, long time ago, which is like when I, I was dating like 17 years ago, right? It's a lot about talking over the phone. It's a lot about re really like, but people don't talk over the phone anymore. It's all about like what's happening. And like, from the point like you sort of swipe right for the other person, right? And from the, to the time when you finally maybe meet, there's quite a lot of what's happening happening. And at any of this point, the person could just bail out. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, you know, you know, what I love about you is that you, you take on a very sort of engineering approach to, <laughs> to dating. And, 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 you know, and you, you're right because uh, every time you send a message, yes. If you do it wrongly, yes, or you yes. step on the toe of the yes, other person, yes. and you might not even know it. Exactly, yeah. but with at least a phone call, you have like that one minute or two minutes yes. to sort of maybe save yourself from the yes. situation. Exactly. And even better, if you're on a lunch, you have yes. that one hour. Exactly. At least, it, well, then you can make yes. some some safe. Yeah. So, so our focus is is more on that because we feel that if you are just looking at a photo or you are just chatting, it's very one dimensional. Like even with chats, right? Like just one sentence. Like I say. Um, whatever the sentence be, whatever I say and how you interpret it could be totally different. Like, I, I remember, like, uh, I, there was some course I went to and then they flesh out this sentence and just by putting a different uh, intonation each time on a different word, that sentence could mean totally different things. Yeah, so if you, if you think about that, like, there could be a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication that could happen over chat. Yeah, so that's why we like thought, okay, we'll just kill chat, which people think that we are crazy, but we were confident about it because that's what we have been doing in all our other services. Because for lunch, actually, people don't chat. In e-sync, people don't chat. Our focus is really bringing them offline as soon as possible. And we feel that, you know, when you meet offline, it's very multidimensional, right? Because like, when you first look at a photo, you might think that this person looks like that, and you might just swipe left. Because of the photo. But if, but if you meet the person in, in person, right, because of the other um, things, yeah, the other attributes, the like, you know, the charm, the, the conversation, or, or whatever, right? And also, some people, they look really good on photos, which is me. You know, I'm very photogenic. <laughs> yeah. But when you meet me in person, you're like, eh, you look a bit different. Oh huh? <laughs> which is, it, things like that happen. Right. Or some people, they are not photogenic. They don't look good in photos, but they look really nice in person. So we are trying to eliminate all of this. But of course, our focus is on serious relationships. So people who are willing to go through this with us, like they are serious. And that's why they are willing to take it a bit slow. So our app is very interesting in the sense that everybody is sort of making things very fast. We are actually slowing things down a bit. Now we know. <laughs> Um, wow, uh, wow, there's so many things you can dive into. <laughs> okay, I want to underscore, uh, how big is Easing right now? In what sense? The team. The team. Um, I need to count. I mean, just a rough number. About 20? 
and why and you guys sort of revamped the the website move on to a different is there a reason behind that or um i i think for um for a digital product right you need to constantly revamp and improve yeah definitely because you know like people's uh idea on how ui changes ux changes you know like together with all the other big boys right so we need to constantly make sure that we are relevant mm. yeah okay abundance versus scarcity yes. you talk a little bit about that in yes. some of your previous interview yes. um when did you take up that stand i'm interested what incident made you take up that stance or where did you learn it from i mean it's, it's a concept that's all, all over but i don't think you know it's something that our mom would teach to us um when did i actually take up this stance hmm. i i, I can't think incident? of a I, I can't think of like a incident so to say um but i think maybe it comes from my my background of being just very um i've always been very interested in helping people i've always been very interested in um community service work so even like when i was growing up i joined the intrack club at, in school and i was the community service director and then subsequently you know like um i i um i visited this old lady when i was studying um in um a levels like to uh, help her but that was and, and that was very funny because i always feel that she ended up helping me more like i'm helping her <laughs> because she she's just so sweet and she can do everything by herself but okay anyway that's another story yeah. um and then you know like um coming up to work when i was at city um i was also the community service director for the uh, com- community service chair for the staff recreation club Oh, yeah, okay. and um, I I organized so many events wow. for the um city bankers, and it was quite funny. It come to a point like the president kind of like take me aside, and he's like, Violet, I think you're making the rest of us look very bad. You know, can you slow down? <laughs> because I, I was doing it not so much like you know I wanted to stand out or whatever, but it was just something that I was really interested in, and I feel that you know having uh, such a big backing like the bank, right, and like we have so many um uh, uh city bankers, that's just so much we can do. So I I think it it sort of comes from there, like. If I can help, like I, I would want to help. So I guess you know, back to the abundance and scarcity. So I, I believe in really like working with um so called competitors because the the market is huge. Like you can't do everything by yourself. Like I I don't think like it's possible to own hundred percent of the market. But you know, like if we can work together with our competitors to grow that market, and as a result, then we all own a uh, a bigger slice of the pie. Uh, why not? And I think life life is long as well. Like you never really know how you eventually might end up working with each other, like in other things, or like or maybe even being related to each other in other things. So sometimes I I feel a bit funny. Like people are just so close. It, because I remember when we first started um the Association for Dating uh, Agencies and Matchmakers in Singapore. It took us a while to get started because when we approached like some of the other agencies, they were just like, "No, we are not interested." Because I think they are just feeling that, okay, why do I want to share with you or like you know what if uh you you learn my uh, secrets and and things like that. But we we are glad that eventually we did find some agencies uh, who were open to this idea. I mean, I could see it uh, that there's also definitely some conflicts of interest mm-hmm. um, there. Um, and how do you deal with it? So just you just um, what? How do you deal with them? You know, reacting that way. I I think it's like it's really just finding the right people. It's like I think there will always be people who are like more like you know they just shut themselves out. Yeah, but there there are people who are open, and I think it's also about being. Um, quite clear about your intentions as well, because I mean, of course, you know, face it, we are competitors, right? But um, I think just 
drawing a very clear uh, I mean idea of what we are trying to achieve like uh, because for example like one of the things we talk about is that we say oh maybe we should have a blacklist <laughs> because there are some users right like since the person is so terrible like why do you want this person to go to someone else and like make their life very miserable as well Oh, you oh, know, for, for example, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so things like that, like to, to really think of things that is win-win for everybody. Yeah, yeah you know, we, we cannot force people to divulge, um, like, of course, their company secrets and things like that. And uh, I mean, of course, for ourselves, we also won't divulge our trade secrets. But there are certain things that, you know, by working together or by sharing, we can bring the industry mm. to the next level. I mean, which is a good thing for everybody. Yeah, uh, so we're going to, yeah, I think... We're gonna do a side step to acquisition because because mm -hmm. I think among some companies many of haven't done or approached that mm -hmm. before. Um, how did you got the idea in the first place? Uh, again, it's like not something we decided on. Like it wasn't something like when we first started. We we're like, okay, we're gonna acquire other businesses. Yeah. So it was something like along the way. Um, let me think. What's the first business we actually acquired? Dating law. Yes, Dating Loft. Okay. So that was a funny story because um, they were looking to uh, exit the industry because uh, we, we actually know them for quite a while because of you know the association and you know we have worked together here and there for different events. So um, I think uh, the founders, you know, one, you know, uh, moved overseas, you know, to start another business with her fiancé and another one, uh, she started her family and then she really want to focus on that. So they wanted to exit the business. They actually didn't approach us. Yeah, because they, they didn't think that we would be interested because we already have an existing uh, right. offline you business. You don't know too. Yeah, and we didn't know. Yeah. But I, I think it was somehow like, uh, I, I think it, it just came out. I, I can't remember like how we knew about it or how they knew that we could potentially be interested. And yeah, and that's how, how we got started. Like um, it, it was something that they are comfortable with because they know us for a while and they know that we would treat their uh, existing clients right. And uh, we also have known them for a while so we know that they have been running the business properly because I think the, the scary part is that you, you don't want to end up like with a can of worms, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there is the Dating Love. Dating Love is, uh, is it Singapore based or is it Singapore based, Singapore -based company? Yes. And then there's also Courage Dream. Yes, Courage Dream. Uh, which become then the Lunch Actually Academy. Yes, that's right. Um, what are some of the other businesses? Because uh, there's three more. Um, so then about one year plus ago, we acquired Meat and Lunch, which is um, the largest dating agency in Thailand. So the founder, uh, Nikki, we have known her for many years. So um, when we first uh, launched Matchmaking Institute Southeast Asia, she was one of our first students. And that was how you know, like we, we got to know her better and we have kept that relationship going. And about like um, one year plus, two years ago, she thought that you know, she wanted to be part of a bigger group. Yeah, and we started talking and yeah, so we acquired the business and we integrated it. So of course, you know, there were some uh, worries like how are we going to integrate it because I don't speak Thai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and also it's like maybe, you know, like um, her team uh, at that point was also like, you know, 15, 20 people, which, which is, you know, will make up quite a big part of our team, right? So I think a lot of times like M&As um, fail, it's really because of integration. Yeah, so we, we were very concerned to make sure, because when we did Dating Loft, it's very small. Like, it's like maybe like less than five people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we, we put a lot of effort into thinking how are we going to integrate uh, the culture, you know, the systems. And then um, it worked out really well. And I think, again, um, getting the right partner is very important. Because, again, we have known her for a very long time. So she, she knows how we do things. We know how she does things and, as well. And for her, does, is she still in? Yeah, yeah. 
she, she's still in still running the, yes so she's still running the the Thailand uh, company and uh, what we have done is that we have uh, launched the services that she didn't initially have mm. so you know she had the um, service which is similar to lunch actually and then uh, so we brought in eSing and then we brought in the academy oh, right. yes it's fantastic and what are I mean just so people could start thinking about this a bit yes. more um, what are some of the common evaluation models that people use to evaluate business? Um, so for us, like a few things, definitely uh, the brand is something because um, dating business is really about the reputation. You know, if like it's a well-known brand in the market, then obviously, you know, it's, it's worth more. Um, the database, uh, it's uh, important, uh, but at the same time, it also depends because the churn is quite high in the dating industry. Yeah, because like they, they sign up like two years ago doesn't mean they are still single right now. Yeah. Um, and the, the team, you know, like the revenues. Um, so different things that we acquire, we, we look at it differently because uh, it, whether it's a revenue generating business or is it about um, the user base. Yeah. Right, also see how much is that of value to, to your company. Yes. Um, I think one of the more interesting models when my, one of my friends selling away his business was, mm. was how he negotiated, was just saying that, hey, this is what this is a system that works, this is a business that works, and this is how much revenue monthly or yearly it yes. generates, and this is profit. Yes. But then, if I plug this system into your business, which you're a bigger conglomerate, yes, yes. and that would mean like X, however X amount, like yes. times that, right? Because yes. you can multiply it through the, all the different cities. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's a very fascinating way of just pitching and, and selling business. Yes, for sure. Um... We're going to, I think, let's dive a little bit into dating. It's like the, the, the topic that you're an expert <laughs> about. Uh, maybe start off with your book. <laughs> Chapter 8. <laughs> Why beautiful and successful women finish last in dating. Tell me. Wow, okay. So, um, there's something called the education squeeze, right? So, I mean, like, compared to, like, maybe our mom or our grandma era where maybe um, ladies they are not as educated as they are right now they are not as financially independent as we are right now so then you know getting married was uh, one of the key reasons is for financial yeah but i think right now it is no longer the case you know like um, modern women we we earn our own money sometimes we earn even more yeah however like if you put um, 10 100 men and 100 women together and then you say that all of you have to pair off at the end of it like i don't care how you do it right what you end up with it's like you end up with the top 20 percent women and the bottom 20 percent men left okay yeah the reason for that is because uh, men tend to marry down and women tend to marry up so because you have these two groups of people left, the problem is they do not match each other. So the top 20% of women doesn't match the bottom. Yes. Okay. Yeah, which, which is a, a big problem. Yes, and yes. it's a problem that we see not just in Singapore, yeah. but actually uh, all around the world, you know, especially in like, uh, you know, advanced cities. So, um, okay, back to your question about successful women. So yeah. successful women would probably be in the top 20% women. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is, a lot of these clients, when they come to us, I will tell them that there's nothing wrong with you. It's not that, uh, you know, because I, I, 
I mean, honestly, I am quite uh, honest with them because when we first started out, you know, similar to my experience in managing people, right? You know, we have to make all these mistakes. When um, when I first started out, I, I'm like very PC. Like the, the, the answers I give is like, you know, very PC, you know, very like safe, like whatever people want to hear. But I subsequently realized that that doesn't work. And, I, and, and I'm kind of doing people a disservice by doing that. Yeah, and I, I have to actually summon a lot of courage to then like, okay, you know, I have to start telling people what I've learned after being in this industry. And that's also, you know, part of the reason why I, I wrote the book as well. Mm. So you don't need to actually say it, but like, hey, you know, that's, I, book, I wrote a book. I'll give you as a gift. Yeah, so... um. Okay, so back to the very, uh, yeah, you know, beautiful... Uh, I'm not beautiful. The, that one we'll talk about successful first, then the beautiful. Yeah. So the successful woman. So I give you um, a, a story, you know, like where I met this lady. So I met her with her was because she was very upset with us. Okay, she's very upset with us is because she said that we are not matching her right and we are not giving her the, the right type of guys, right? So she's very upset and then she was complaining and that's why I met her with her. And... Um, after I met up with her for a while and then, you know, uh, uh, maybe like 15-20 minutes in the conversation, she said like, okay, Violet, let's not waste time, okay? <laughs> Just uh, give me the top 5% of your database. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting, you know. So, so why she said that I should only give her top 5% of my database, you know, the guy database, is because she perceived herself as the top 5% of the women database. So, so it's like, so she then she, she tell me, she said, okay, Violet, you see, um, I... I have a very good degree, I have a very good master's, I, I, I come from Ivy League universities, you know, um, I've done very well in my career, you know, like I'm, a, I can't remember, she was either investment banker or management consultant, basically right. like, you know, big names, yeah. um, and then um, now, you know, I'm doing really well in life, you know, like I'm a, a very active in like philanthropy work and things like that, right? Which, why she feel that that's top 5%? Because that's what she's looking out for in a guy. So if a guy have all of these qualities that she have just mentioned, they would be in the top 5%, right? Um, but when guys are evaluating their future partner, like, they don't look at this. So the qualities that I've just it's told you is a bonus. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, for the men, it's a totally different uh, criteria when they say the top 5%. <laughs> Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's a total mismatch. Okay, you, you, there was, there was the guys, what's the guy's version of that? So girls is like, uh, a, a good school, yeah. uh, however much he's making, yeah. uh, what, what kind career. of, what good career, yeah. uh, and doing a lot of philanthropy <laughs> work. <laughs> what is the guy's version of it? The, the guy's version, um, uh, I say this a lot, you know, like I say, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, women, uh, men are very visual. Okay. Yeah, so like, the first thing they come to us is like, some are very direct about it, Right. They'll just say, okay, uh, I want to meet someone who's pretty. Or some are not so direct about it, but more or less they mean the same thing. Yeah, they will okay. be like, oh, I'm looking for someone who's pleasant looking. And they'll say, what, what do you mean by pleasant looking, right? So it's like, not Jessica Alba, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, looks, looks, looks are very important, okay. for sure. You know, okay. like, uh, and of course then, uh, you know, looks and then uh, whether she's slim, you know, like, uh, or, or at least, you know, not overweight, yeah, yeah. Uh, or like maybe uh, age, you know, mm. comes to play as well. I mean, of course, um, they, they are also looking for people who is like kind-hearted, compassionate, like, uh, you know, very filial. Of course, of course, all yeah, these yeah, things, everybody's yeah. looking for that, no, right? For sure. Yeah. We're just looking for the top. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously you can see that it's a complete mismatch. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, so that's why... Um, she, she's very upset because uh, obviously like the things that um, she she feels that is very in her favour 
like might not be what men are looking for. Well, it's actually not. <laughs> exactly not. <laughs> yeah, so... So yeah, yeah, back to this story. So that, that's why then I explained to her, like I say, you know, like it's not that you're not good, you know, like you, you are very good. But it's just that, right, the men that you're looking for, which is the top 5%, like every other woman out there, they are also looking for them. Right? Because we, men, women marry up and men marry down, right? So that means that that guy that you're looking for, he has so many options. Yeah, and his option just might not be you. It's not that you're not good. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, more than that also, then, then the next question is, like, are you in that thing that they are looking for? Yeah, right? yeah. Well, which maybe is. Which yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, is. which maybe is, right? Yeah, so, so, so for example, like, because though their top criteria is like what we have just talked about. Yeah. And then, then if, you know, if they also come from an Ivy League school, uh, they're also doing very well in their career, they're also very into community service work, those are bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Cherry on top of the cake. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the successful so, woman... Uh, a challenge. How how then? Oh, we can finish that thought first. Yeah. So, so that's why it's like they um, they are looking for someone who is on the same level or higher. And because they feel that I'm not going to settle for less. Because they feel that um, I don't need someone to uh, provide for me financially. I can very well look after myself. So if I can very well look after myself, I'm already like at this level of uh, lifestyle. Like why do I want to marry someone who is not at that level and I maybe I need to downgrade on my lifestyle? Which, if you think about it, is very logical. You know, I, I don't think like they are not gold diggers because they themselves, they are doing very well. But it, the problem is just like what I've just said. Like the people that they are looking out for, those people just have a lot of choices. And how do you, <laughs> how do you tell this to them? I, I just tell it to them like how I've just told you. Okay. Yeah, because I, I just feel that like previously I kind of beat around the bush, right? right like right. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Does your, does your, does your, uh, do you train uh, your, your guys to tell? I, I, mean, I, I, I train them and of course like we always say that we need to ask our clients first like are they open to feedback? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because That's a good primer yeah, 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 yeah. That, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, because I, I shouldn't like just go into someone's face and say, hey, you know, you know what's your problem, yeah. right? I cannot say that. But of course, you know, if things have not been working out and they say, okay, you know, I want to ask for some advice and I'll say, are you open to some feedback? So back, back to this lady. So one of the things I've observed, because obviously, to be fair again to these successful women, right? It's like they have been conditioned to behave the way that they are behaving. Because if you think about it, like um, to succeed in... Uh, a career or boardroom, right? You can't be a wallflower. You can't be like, uh, just okay, whatever, you know, like you decide. You, know? you can make quick decisions. Yeah, you, you, you need to like, you know, be out there, you need to be assertive, you know, be aggressive, you need to, you know, really to make things happen, right? So, so this is the challenge because it's like, if you bring that persona into a date, it can be a bit off-putting. So, so we have had like, um, feedback from guys and, and they are like, they are like, Violet, you know, like, uh, I am looking to go on a date, not a debate. <laughs> okay, well, but, uh, how, how, how then this woman should be thinking about it? Or how did the, 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 that friend, like, you know, is, is she okay now? Is she, has she adjusted? No, 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 no. So, so she, she didn't accept it. <laughs> she yeah, didn't yeah. accept so, it? Oh, no. So, so, so I share with her. I say that, I say that, okay, like, uh, I mean, if you're open, you know, I share some feedback with you, then she say, okay. And then I say, so you, I say generally, you come across as very masculine. Yeah. yeah. So when you go on dates, you bring this very masculine energy, very masculine persona. And then she told me no. <laughs> so she said, it's not true. She said, like, it's because I'm very angry with you right now. That's why I behave this way. I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> because you know we, we get feedback from clients as well yeah yeah because after each date we get yeah. feedback from both sides so that, that, that that's the challenge but like I say it's not their fault because you know they are conditioned to behave this way to get far in their career mm. but it's just they need to realize that they cannot behave the same way when they're on dates and then sometimes they'll argue with me they'll be like um like uh, why should I date men who are intimidated by me I don't know. <laughs> then, then, then my answer is, is very simple. It's like, you, you see the problem is, right, women in general, like, they want to find someone that they can sort of, like, play the xiaonuren role. Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, like, I find someone, like, I feel you're worthy for yeah. me to, like, sort of be very vulnerable. Yeah. And then I sort of, like, wow, you know, I can really just put down all defences yeah. and really play that role, right? So the challenge, right, is that you need to, play that role first before you attract that guy. Mm. Right? So it's like, they are so alpha, but they want an alpha man. But same goes with the guy as well. The guy got to play alpha yeah. in order later on to, yes, to be yes. softer. Yes, yes. So that, that's the challenge. So it's like, they want an alpha man. It's very clear. They want an alpha man. But the alpha men are not attracted to alpha women because you can't have two alphas like together, right? So even though like, for example, um, I have um, this girlfriend, like, um, she is now in her 60s. I really admire her because she's so successful in her career. But when she's back home, she tells me that she'll take out the slippers for her husband. She'll, like, you know, put out the water for the husband to bathe. Wow. So she's alpha in her workplace. Like, you know, all the people that she managed, they know, you know, like, wow, this is the boss, you know, she's alpha. But when she's back home, she doesn't need to be alpha. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that uh, how okay. So a long time ago, a concept that I was being introduced to is called "be water," which is from Bruce Lee. But how I interpreted it was that you you can go to your. So I was in army, right? Yeah. And then I was like, and I, I used to be a tour guide in Singapore doctor. Yeah. So that's how my my English become what it is. Yeah. And in the army, people despise you because you speak good English. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this very, uh, like, a challenge of, like, well, so sh- you know, who am I, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then this concept came about yeah. is that you actually can be, whenever you meet someone different, you bring out a different self of who yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, sure. So then actually, or you, you, you can, the outside form can change, yeah. but the inside still stays the same. Yes. So you can, having that in mind, yeah. that means, right, if I were to go to a taxi uncle, I can yes. talk to him in like, hey, Jake, what, what's yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. And then I can go to a boardroom meeting yes. and there's a very different uh, a way of yes. engaging and yeah. bring out that different personality yes. for the different situation. Yes. So yes. that concept really, like, helped me a lot in, yes. in that area. Yes, yes, for sure. But it's not about me, it's about you, this interview. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the challenge because inside they want to be better, but outside they are alpha. So then as a result, you won't attract the alpha you end up attracting the better, and then that just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Last at first sight, <laughs> you famously say. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Like you really have done so much research. It's so oh, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's why. I mean that. I mean I. I. I try to see things that you know. I try to spot, I guess, um, conception or conventional wisdom and try to know, I found that you have so much of that wisdom and I want to share, I want you to share that with, with the rest. Yeah. yeah. So why, why is it last not love at first sight? 
Okay, because to me, right, love is like, it's it's not like the, the initial rush, you know, it's not the passion. Like, I feel love is not a feeling. For me, love is commitment. Because, I mean, like, I've known my husband for 17 years. We have been married for 12 years. Like, this year is our 12th year. And honestly, right, definitely there are times where I'm very unlovable or he's very unlovable. So if we see love as a feeling, then it's very easy for us to just say, ah, just forget it, you know, like, let's just move, uh, walk out of this uh, marriage and just find someone who can make us happier. Yeah. But when love is a commitment, it really means that you will stick through with it, like, whatever happens. I mean, of course, like, maybe barring, like, uh, physical violence or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, other things, you know, like, life is not easy. There's ups and downs and um, there, there will be a lot of difficult conversations, difficult, difficult things that happen. But it's really about making that work and putting the marriage as the most important thing. So that's why I feel that it's really a commitment. And for me, when I think about love, I think about old love. Yeah, it's really like, you know, after like witnessing each other's life for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years and then still being so loving to each other, like, you know, still the holding hands, like the, the, the um, connection. So to me, that's love. So with such a definition of love, I cannot see how can that be at first sight. Because if first sight, we, you hardly know each other. Yeah, it's just like you saw this person and this person probably triggers something, you know, like the, uh, you know, this person has certain attraction markers that trigger something in your brain and you don't even know what it is. And then you think it's love at first sight, but that's why I call it last at first sight. <laughs> and um, just to add on to that topic a little bit, yeah. are there any more of those, um, I'll call it, Un unproductive or misaligned narrative that you have noticed in your circle? Um, like uh, how you should kind of, uh, you know, the right one will just come along. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, uh, we should leave it to fate. Or uh, there was a nicer word that came up um, a couple of years ago, serendipity. <laughs> so so, so I, I always say to people, I say, Yes, you know, of course, like, uh, this has happened. I've heard many such stories, you know, of, like, how they meet on the plane, you know, like, uh, you know, like, they, uh, the lady was travelling alone, you know, like, she, she was trying to put up the luggage, and then the guy saw that, you know, she couldn't put up the luggage, the guy, like, helped her, and then they exchanged numbers, and subsequently, you know, like, they got married. Things like that do happen, okay? But I think it's important to realise that that's an exception, not the norm. Yeah. And it's like, you need to really... Um, take that proactive step to widen your social circle for it to happen. Because, you know, in the past, like, when we were, we were less busy, you know, like, uh, life is not so stressful, it's a lot about um, being introduced by friends. So a lot of our parents, you know, chances are, if you ask them, how did you meet your partner? They'll say that, oh, you know, like, uh, my friend introduced us, or, like, my colleague introduced us, things like that, right? But the problem now is because people are getting married later and later in life. So your, your well-meaning friends who want to introduce you to friends, eventually they get caught up with their own lives. You know, they start their own family and their friends who are single become fewer and fewer as well. So they also don't have many people to introduce to you. Yeah. And you think about it, like dating is really a numbers game. I mean, it's, it doesn't sound very romantic, like, I know. Yeah. But if you just no, think... I, I really like that you say it as it is. Yeah. I love it. But if, if you think about it, it's like out of 10 people you meet, you know, of the opposite gender, like where you like the person, like, you know, you, you have good feelings about this person and this person also have good feelings about you with the potential of it developing into something romantic. Like, maybe out of 10, like, maybe 5. And honestly, 5 is a very optimistic number, but let's just say it's 5, okay? And out of that 5, maybe you go on a first date with 4 
And out of those four first dates, you go on second or third dates with two or three. And hopefully from there, you find the one. And honestly, this is very optimistic numbers we're talking about, right? But let's just say it's true. The problem right now is a lot of people, they don't meet 10 people of the opposite gender in a month or in a year. I mean, maybe they meet for other things, but not uh, you know, from a point of dating the person. I mean, you, you meet them for business, it's not counted. Yeah. So, so that's the big problem. And, and some of these people, they have the idea like, oh, no, I don't want to put myself out there. You know, I don't want to feel uh, it's very desperate. Um, you know, like if it happens, it happens. So my question to people is that, like, wouldn't you say that being in a happy marriage, you know, or a relationship would be something that is important to you in life? If you ask people that, most of the time they will say yes. But why do you spend so much more time on finding a job than actually finding this? Yeah, and when it comes to finding a job, people can be very proactive, you know. They make sure their CV is good, you know. They, they talk update. to, yeah, update, you know, go on LinkedIn, you know. Uh, make sure they get, um, you know, uh, headhunters. Yeah, and they, they plan, you know, they'll plan, okay, in uh, one year time, you know, I want to be this, two years time, this, five years, maybe I change job. I, they, they have long-term planning, right? So my same question is like, if this is so important to you, why, why don't you plan it? Yeah. Um, two things I want to underscore uh, on top of what you yeah. just said is uh, uh, one thing uh, we call the selection bias, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, a localized example would be like, you go, that, that tree, wow, we're, we're strike 4D. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow, my friend, uh, wow, he strike 4D, man, last week, last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, then you go, and then the truth is, no one will talk about the people who didn't strike 4D. Yes, yes. yes. And, but the person who strike 4D, oh my god, this is the best tree ever, you know? We need to do some stuff and bring some rose pick and, and, and you know? <laughs> so, so uh, in, in that sense, what you say with serendipity. Yes. And also, just to even uh, go on with the age thing, yeah. is that there's this, there's this huge gap. Uh, yeah. When you got out of university, uh, you, you get thrown into your work. Firstly, yeah. they, they tell you all the time you shouldn't date your work. Yes which is a pretty good rule to live by. Yes. Um, and, and so if you're single and out of the university um, to your 30s, yes. there's this big gap. Because your friend will probably think that, oh, you know, she's just she's okay, she'll yeah, she take care of yeah, herself. Yeah. But then only after you're 30. Yes. And by the, by the time you're 30, you're just starting a dating game. Yes. And you're just such, uh, especially women, right? Yes. They have in a rush to, yes. oh, no, you can marry it yes. soon, you know, 35 is the age. Yes. And then they never practice dating. And, yes. and if you don't practice, you never know what you would like, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's and, a very, very big problem. And um, the other thing is like, some of them see it uh, in a very interesting manner, which I've never thought about until I speak to some of these younger ladies. So it's, they, they, they are also very um, practical. So the way they see it is this. They are like, okay, Violet, just look at it this way. I have 10 years of my life. I can either invest it in my career or I can either invest it in my relationship. So if I invest 10 years in my career, like, there should be certain outcomes. But if I invest 10 years in a relationship, like, who knows? Like, you know, I might be with this guy for 10 years and then we just break up and then I'll be left with nothing. So that, that's how they sort of measure it. But then my question to them would then be, but, uh, you know, like when you're 60 or 70, your career is not there to hug you or be with you. <laughs> but it's very interesting that they see it this way. Like, I've never seen it this way. But I think like now, because people feel that there seems to be this, this tension, like it's either or. And that's, the, that's what I would like to challenge because it's, not, it's never either or. Like abundance, right? Yeah. Abundance versus scarcity. It's always like, you can, why, why the you know, like tyranny of like all? Oh, you know, why, why not both, right? So for me, 
I uh, decided like when I was uh, growing up, like I wanted to get married by the time I was 26. Oh wow, that's yeah. this, this young, right? Yeah, so so I, I'm not sure like why I had that, but I, I think like because I grew up, like um, my parents, like they have a really like loving marriage. I mean, at least like when I was growing up, they always show me this. I mean, they do have a loving marriage, but I think why I say that is because they made it a point to like never like have like crazy quarrels in front of me. Like they, they told me later, like they, when they do, they'll just do it somewhere else. Yeah, so I have this idea that, oh, you know, marriage is a good thing, yeah? And I, I wanted to get married, I want to start a family. So I thought, I, I set myself a timeline, I see 26. Yeah, and I was uh, very proud that I beat my timeline. <laughs> so so, so I, I graduated at uh, 2020, I did my master's, 21. Um, I quit, uh, I started my job at 22. I quit my job at 24 to start a business. I got married when I was 25. And then uh, our first child came along when I was 26. Oh. And uh, our second child came along when I was 29. Yeah. So, so I feel that, you know, like you, you see, right? Like six to eight years of my life, like so many things change and so many things were happening at the same time. And it can happen. Like, you know, while I was like getting married, I was starting a family. And at the same time, we were building a business as well. So I feel it doesn't need to be mutually exclusive. And I think I had, I also have a very... I'm very fortunate in the sense that I have very good mentors. So like, you know, the lady that uh, I shared with you just now, the one who is like alpha at work and beta at home, right? So for her, in her 20s, she wasn't working. She, she was actually at home, like um, looking after her, her, her daughter. And then like after that, her daughter was a bit older. Then she came back out to work and still, you know, she managed to scale up her career to the next level. So that was where I realized that some things can wait, but some things can't. Yeah, so that's what I'm also trying to share with like uh, younger ladies out there that you don't need to choose. You can build it simultaneously or for some reason, if you can't, maybe it makes sense to focus on your love life and dating and relationship first, which it's a bit against like what it's currently stuff. happening. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll just leave it as that. Although I have a, yeah, I fully agree with you. And there's so much thing I can add into it, but I'll just leave it. I think you did a good point explaining. Um, if So this is why I saw from an article that's written uh, for you. Uh, if you ask your friends why they are single, they usually say they have not met the right one. Yes. But what they don't realize is that it starts from oneself. Yeah. So what can we get started on? Um... There are so many different things. Um, let's start with mindset. Yeah. So, um, like, a lot of the ladies that I've met, like, why they have not found the right one is because they have the mindset that um, they are, like, there are no more good men in this world. So you talk to them, they're like, there are no more good men in this world. All the good men, they're either married, date, or gay. So with this kind of mindset, it doesn't matter how many men I put in front of them, they will not choose this guy. Because, you know, like, subconsciously, they already think that this man cannot be good. Yeah. And why they have this mindset, chances are they have had some very bad relationship in the past. You know, like, so it's the relationship history, or maybe it's um, based on whatever they hear from friends or, or whatever. But if they cannot get rid of this mindset, it's very difficult for them to move forward. Right. Um... No. I totally understand why they have that mindset, but I think maybe even noticing it wouldn't help them. What? Oh, and again, this is not about me, but I'd just like to share <laughs> this, is that start by building a list of, I think what you said too, of like the three no-nos yeah. and the three 
Hell yes. yes. Um, and then to, to see whether it is true or not, you know, pit that, pit that list against reality. Yep. And I think most people don't even start there. It's like, you don't have a goalpost, how are you going to score yes. the goal? Yes. And, and so I think by doing that, it probably will be a, a better uh, yeah, way to test that assumption, yes. right? And I think the other part of it is the skill set. So, you know, like there are people like they are really very, very nice people and like they definitely would make very good partners, but they are not presenting themselves maybe in the best light. And it, it matters. I mean, like, like it or not. Like just like, you know, you go for a job interview, like it matters. Like when you go on a first date, it matters as well. And I think sometimes, like some people have the mindset that people should just take me as I am. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'm going to butcher this interview. <laughs> um, uh, well, because I, 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 I spent a hard time thinking about this. Uh, and so the, the one that got me was that it's not about being yourself, it's about being the best version of yourself. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, honestly, to be very, very honest about it, right? Do you think I look like that every single day? I mean, some people do, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually a person that uh, I, I, like, enjoy, like, just very casual. Like, um, on days that I'm, I'm not at work, I actually do not put on makeup. Yeah. But then, I mean, what, what sort of uh, impression am I giving if, like, let's say I appear on this uh, interview this way? Or, you know, like, I go and give a talk. Like, so that, that's why I explain to um, our clients as well. I mean, of course, you know, it's like there are times that you just want to be in, like, t-shirt and shorts and slippers, right? Like, which I, I do. But again, like, it, it just doesn't work. Like, I, you cannot show up on a date in t-shirt, shorts and slippers, which we have had people who do that. <laughs> is it more the female side or the no, male, male side? Luckily, okay, male. Okay. And, and, and the reason for that is really like, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable this way and uh, they should just take me as I am. And, and like, you know, like it, it, when we get married later, I'll be like that. But, but we say that's fine, you know, like that's after you already got married. Like, but, but right now, it's like, so we talk to them about what we call the emotional bank account. Because if people do not know you, like, we, we are conditioned to look out for certain things, right? So it's like when people do not know you, like first impressions are formed certain ways. So for example, like some people will say that, oh, you know, someone who doesn't polish their shoes, you know, like that means they are blah, 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 for example. But that might not be true. But like it or not, that's what people will think. Yeah. Or like, you know, some people who don't uh, comb their hair or whatever, like you just think like, oh, this person is very messy or this person is like uh, very uh, ill-disciplined, which all again can be untrue. But it's just... Like, first impressions are just formed in that instance and, and that's it. Yeah, so it's again working with some of these people's mindset. So, for example, it's, it's amazing. Like, I have this lady who, um, she wore her uniform to go on a date. Then I'm like, why, why did you do that? And then, yeah, and she's like, oh, because um, I just finished work. Yeah, or like this other guy, like, went, like, in a football jersey and whatever. Then I'm like, why, why do you do that? Because I just finished playing soccer. So, so it's like, in, in their mind, it, it's, it's very acceptable. But then I will ask them, but would you wear that to a job interview? Mm. <laughs> um, what are three most important questions that one should ask themselves before starting to date? Or are there? Mm, I think really knowing, like, what is the objective of what they are, 
because you know like even when with our clients we do ask them like are you looking to widen your social circle you know are you looking to be in a serious relationship in view of settling down you know like uh you know in the medium to uh, short to medium future yeah so i think th- those are some of the things that you you should be asking yourself about right because i mean dating now it's like people date for a variety of reasons yeah and of course you know if your answer is more closely related to like uh, settling down in the near future then um, the list that you should be writing down in terms of criteria might be different from like let's say you are just dating for fun yeah and I think that that is the challenge because sometimes like people do not see that like okay one of the uh, examples is that when you ask a lady like what height do they want it's 1.75 and above maybe now even taller and then I would say that, do you know the average height of Asian men is 1.71? Yeah. So then you ask them, why do you want a guy who is 1.75? I mean, if like, for example, you are 1.7, you know, or 1.68, I can understand, you know, because like, then the guy is still taller than you, right? But if you're 1.55, why do you need a guy who is 1.75? Yeah, so so that's what I mean. It's like a lot of times, like people do not uh, question why they ask for something. Mm. Yeah, and that's one thing. The other thing is like whatever this that they ask for have no correlation whatsoever to their lifelong happiness. Because for example, like someone who is one point seven five, a guy who is one point seven five and above, it doesn't mean that he'll be a good father or a good husband. Then why is that criteria important to you? I mean, I always say that some things are bonus, you know. It's like, wow, you know, like he's um, tick all the boxes and he's also like gorgeous, dark, handsome, tall. I mean, that, that's fantastic. Lah. But again, those people, they have so many choices. So it's not that you're not good. I always say that. I say, okay, please understand. It's not that you're not good enough, but it's just that they have a lot of choices. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing for the guy. You know, like, of course, everybody comes in, they want to like, okay, what's the hottest... Uh, movie star we have now uh, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> yeah yeah like maybe you know Jennifer Lawrence or uh, what about the Chinese one who, who is the uh, Chinese uh, don't, don't watch the don't watch Chinese okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know so so it's like uh, our answer to them is usually like uh, we are a dating service we are not a modelling agency <laughs> Gotcha. So, so, so again, you know, like um, just like the general population, you know, we have like people who come to us, like you know, the very gorgeous twenty percent, the like maybe um not so gorgeous twenty percent, and the normal like everybody, everybody else, else, right? Yeah. So that's why again we we have to uh share with them. It's like okay, you are looking for that. We understand, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like ultimately, you know, does it matter? Because, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a very hard sell. I I've never succeeded. <sighs> And um, I remember having this conversation with our prime minister, yeah. <laughs> and he said that he oh, said it's like he said, yeah, this is biological. Uh, even I'm the prime minister, I don't think I can change their mind. Um, because many many years ago, like I I'm not, I mean I, if I were to approach the business, I would be like close first, and then <laughs> tell them about this after they go on their date, right? <laughs> but if you promise them the sky and then you under deliver, it's also a problem. Hey, but. Uh, I'll, so so it's like for example you know close first so I said yeah 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 you want uh, Jennifer Lawrence no problem you want Jessica Alba no problem no, I, well uh, I'm not here for Jessica Alba I'm here to guarantee your happiness in your long term relationship uh, how about that yeah yeah of course, of course you know like we right. we say we they I mean we we are very how would I say. I always tell my people, like, I say for us, right, integrity is number one. Yeah. We definitely do not want to oversell and underdeliver. So what we share with our clients is um, we don't say that we can find, 100% find you a girlfriend or boyfriend. 
because I, I can't guarantee that because there's so many factors that come into play. Yeah, but what I can guarantee is that the people that you meet, it's like, you know, like a uh, fulfill like 60-70% of what you're looking for. And more importantly, you also fulfill 60-70% to 70 of what they are looking for. Because we don't want to waste your time, right? Because like if you find someone that uh, you like, but the person might not like you, so it's wasting your time. Yeah. But at least, you know, like you fulfill what they are looking for, they fulfill what you're looking for. And then when you meet, then whether you have chemistry or not, then that's, that's where it takes off. Okay. Uh, so chemistry. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I know you guys collected a lot of data uh, from a lot of the dates that you, you have been, right? And I think you shared a little bit about um, just uh, people are being ready, are they ready to date? Yeah. Uh, so so tell, us, tell us some of the actual data and interesting data that you have collected based you know, along the side of chemistry. Um, so I think, you know, like we talk about love at first sight, right? So a lot of times people have this feeling that, okay, if I meet this person and then I don't feel that sparks or like that electricity, whatever, right? Then I shouldn't consider a person. Yeah. But what we have realized is that a lot of our success couples, like they did not uh, had love at first sight. So most of the time it was more like they went on a date and then like maybe on a scale of one to 10, they rate it like six or seven. And then uh, what subsequently happened is they continued to meet up. They meet again and again and again and eventually they become, became a couple and then eventually they got married. So what, what we realised is that sometimes it's a bit overrated, like that whole like, oh, you know, we must have chemistry. So like, for example, like uh, when we ask, you know, we call them, uh, so how did it go? You know, like then, uh, like, would you meet this person again? And then they will say no. And then we say why? Usually the answer would be like, oh, no chemistry. Yeah. So it's, it's again not easy. Like we would encourage them like, okay, our yardstick is not so much like how much you like the person, but it's more like, did you not like the person? Mm. Yeah, because it's like, for us, when we do, are doing the matching, because we know both of you guys, you know, it's a bit like, you know, your friends know uh, you guys, like, that's how, you know, because we have met both parties, we have done, the, you know, like the consultation. So there must be something that we have seen, but maybe you have not seen on the first date. Like, but don't waste it, you know, like, why not go on a second date to see? Because sometimes, like, some people, they have first date jitters, you know, like, they, they are just a bit, like, um, they, they don't present, like, whatever they, they could have, you know, so, so go on another date and maybe do something different and, um, and see how it goes. I mean, of course, after a second date and it's like, oh, okay, still not really there. Okay, fine. Yeah. And this is also something um, very interesting because um, Malaysians out of, uh, like, Singaporeans, Malaysians and Hong Kongers, they are the most open to going out on second dates. Yeah, so Hong Kongers are the ones that they are very quick. They are like, don't waste time. What is the percentage difference? <laughs> I, I can't. Okay, I don't okay, have don't those numbers. Right, yeah. But but definitely it's like Hong Kongers like or even Singaporeans. They are like, I, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste his or her time. We already met one time. It doesn't work out. Okay, let's just move on. Yeah, but then we will explain to them because what we have seen is really it's not that first meeting, but it's really the second, the third. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, it's like chemistry sometimes like. It, it, again, it's like what you're looking out for, right? Yeah. Because attraction markers, like for example, like some people would say that uh, I want um, um, girls with long hair. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know why they want girls with long hair. Mm -hmm. And all these are actually scientific because, you know, like if people have long, luscious hair, it actually signifies like fertility. Like, but if you talk to most guys, they, they don't know. They just say, I like girls with long hair. Then you're like, why don't you like girls with curly, short hair? They also don't know. But again, it has to do with fertility, which now it, it doesn't, work that way anymore because we intentionally cut our hair short and we curl it, right? Yeah. But in the past, you know, it's all this um, 
uh, markers. Mm. So again, like um, just now we talk about uh, guys must be tall, you know, like and, and things like that. Again, it goes back to like, oh, you know, why do you want a guy who's tall? Because then he can protect you and things like that. Then I often say that, you know, what is there to be protected from now? You know, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's no lion running after you or whatever, right? Are there, are there, <laughs> are there some common themes who, of those who, are, who have succeeded mm. uh, in, in their dating? Um, I would say the common theme is that they know what they are looking out for. Yeah, so that's why, you know, it's like why they succeed very quickly is because they already know what they are looking out for and then when they meet that person, they are also choosing correctly. Like, you know, um, it's, it's very satisfying for us actually because of course, you know, we do have um, clients who are like very gorgeous, very eligible, you know, like really like the top 5% so-called, right? Uh, we also have clients who are like very normal, like, you know, they are like your very average, like, you know, um, uh, uh, Jane or uh, Joe, right? And so it's very satisfying for us when um, they find someone because it's like, they, they really find someone, you know, it's not just on the very superficial markers, but really, you know, finding someone that they can connect with. And I think uh, that's something that sometimes is missing in, um, I, I think, you know, going back to one of your earlier questions about why, you know, beautiful, beautiful women sometimes might finish last. Yeah, because, you know, like um, women, like when they are very, very gorgeous, you know, in their 20s, like they have a lot of suitors. So I, I mean, I have a lot of beautiful friends. For some reason, like b beautiful people, they, they love me. Like they are very attracted to me. So I have a lot of beautiful friends. <laughs> so I, I have experienced that, you know, I, I've gone out with this friend and it's amazing. It's like everywhere we go, like everybody is looking at her. It's, it's just amazing, right? Like just to have that kind of attention. And um, I remember asking her like a, a couple of years later, it's like, what is the most memorable first date you have ever been on? And she's like, oh, you know, there's this guy. So he chartered a helicopter. And then we went on, like, you know, uh, this date and then like, the beautiful city view. So that's the first date. So obviously, you know, like, how do you then continue to wow her? Like, maybe charter a submarine next? <laughs> yeah. so, so my point is, like, her expectation is already there because, you know, like, she has so much attention. So that, that's, the, that's the challenge, right? And then the problem is like for some reason, they didn't uh, settle down in that, that point. You know, like, like out of all the many suitors, they just didn't choose someone or it just didn't work out. And then subsequently, they are in their 30s, like even in, in their mid-30s. And when they're in their mid-30s, they still look gorgeous. Like, you know, but the problem is now those guys that used to be like chartering helicopters, they are going for the younger women. So then, but their expectation is already this high. So it's a bit difficult to kind of adjust. So for them, it's like a normal guy who is like probably would make a very good uh, husband, very good father, they're not interested because they find maybe this guy is too boring. Yeah, but for a plain Jane, for them, it's, it's different because it's like they probably don't get much attention, like maybe throughout the whole week, like nobody like tried to like, you know, ask for their numbers or anything, right? So when someone, you know, like sincere, who might be a bit shy, who might not be like so clearly a diamond yet, but when someone like, you know, um, take, um, uh, you know, like um, pay attention to them, like they will really value that. And sometimes I also tell our clients is that guys who are obviously like already a diamond, obviously, a lot of people will be interested in that. But there are a lot of guys who are unpolished diamonds. So it's actually up to you to polish that diamond. Oh wow, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great reframe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking about dating, let's jump into marriage a little yeah. bit. What are some, well, I mean, of the bar barometers that you have now, uh, uh, 
that you knew before that, that before that you didn't know yeah. that you would uh, advise uh, 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 someone when you want to go into uh, marriage <clears throat> okay I think you know like in our culture like we put a lot of emphasis on the wedding yeah so actually wedding business is a great business because people are willing to just spend crazy amount of money right and um, sometimes like um, I'm quite worried about that because I just feel that there's just so much emphasis on the wedding thinking like the wedding is the end goal but actually the wedding is just the beginning yeah and I, I, I wish that people would put more emphasis on like preparing for that marriage so for example like for some religions you know there's like marriage preparation course but not all religions have this and not everybody's religious right so I always encourage uh, couples even though you know like it's not uh, mandated by their religions to attend a marriage preparation course because then you go in with your eyes open because a lot of times like you know when you first meet someone and then you date um, so some people you know like they date a couple of years some people maybe just date one to two years of course you know the person but you might not know the person deep enough and also there are things that sometimes you just don't talk about when you are dating because it's a difficult topic or like there's just no good time to, to bring it up to talk about it but those are very very important conversations like for example like how are you going to deal with finances you know like how many kids do you want to have or do you even want to have kids um, like how do we deal with our family you know all these things are very very important so it's like if you don't even figure out like before you get married yeah. how you want to deal with this but you get married and then get into this and to find out to your horror that this person's view is completely different from you then what, what are you going to do so to, to me that, that is the, the scary part and um, that's why even on, on our side when it comes to matching we place a lot of emphasis on compatibility of values because we feel that um, a lot of things you know like uh, be it we have different uh, interests and hobbies you know like I, I joke about it but it's a real story so <laughs> there was this guy who came to us and then he's a very very uh, avid uh, he loves scuba diving. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a high-flying banker, or um, I, I think. And then uh, when he's free, he goes scuba diving. So his criteria to us is like, whoever you match me up with must love scuba diving. So, which, which I understand. But at the same time, you know, to me, like, I also, like, say, okay, even if she doesn't scuba dive, but she's willing to just, like, you know, go on beach holidays with you. She can be, you know, like, reading her magazine, you know, on the yacht, like, waiting for you while you scuba dive, whatever, right? I mean, it can be worked out. I, I think that's, that's my point. But um, with values, because, you know, it's something that we, um, we grew up with, like, for whatever reasons, we have those values. So it's not easy to change. And it's important that you talk it out before you take that step you know, to commit yourself to live with this person for the rest of your life. Got it. Well, what if it's a couple uh, who have been dating for a, a, a long, too long, mm -hmm. and they just don't know if they can... I mean, everything's compatible, yes, it's like, yes. but it's comfortable, right? Yeah. And they don't want to take the leap. Like, yeah. is there anything that you... Any questions that they should, you know, as a barometer for that, in that case? Because I think now you go on the, the, the note that, like, oh, there's this thing, this and this thing yeah. to avoid and, yeah. and talk about. So yeah. let's say they're all done with that. Yeah. But that, the guy is still very like uncertain. Is that what 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 is that I, to, to push him over the edge a little I, bit? I, I feel right. I mean, again, like uh, I don't have numbers to back me up on this, but just based on personal experiences and hearing from friends and 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 clients who you know like come to us eventually, it's there's usually something missing. Like, chances are, like, in these relationships where they have been dating for a very long time, it's one party that doesn't want to commit. And actually, the other party wants to commit. 
But the other party, maybe knowing that this other party doesn't want to commit, they kind of say they don't want to commit as well. But usually it's very rare that both parties do not want to commit. Yeah. So then the question for the person who doesn't want to commit have to then ask him or herself, like, why? There must be a reason. Yeah. And the person who is actually want to commit but pretend that he or she does not want to commit also needs to ask themselves why. And especially if this person is the lady, she's actually at the losing end because every year actually works against her. Yeah, so, so we have clients who come to us, you know, like they are in their mid-30s and they actually come out of relationships that, like, that lasted for seven years. So in a way, they have just wasted seven years of their youth on this guy that didn't marry her. And then, you know, usually the story is very sad, right? Like then eventually this guy met someone else one year and then they got married. Yeah, so, so actually um, our, <laughs> our advice, you know, because sometimes we do workshops, like my advice to women is that do not waste your time with time wasters. I think that's life advice in general. People can use that too. Yeah, because it's like, the, the thing is, right, because it's the hope, right? Because you have invested, like for example, I've invested one year, two years, three years. So if by the time you've invested three years, and then you are like, I've already invested three years. And if I start all over again, it's like, it's so like sayang, right? Like so like, such a pity. That's true too. But then my question to them, it's like, do you want to invest another three years? Because if you leave now, mm. you can potentially meet someone else who would be able to commit. Mm. So that's where I say to them, it's like, you need to love yourself more. Because if you love yourself more, you will come up with an uh, ultimatum. Because a lot of people, they are worried about doing ultimatums. They are like, oh, no, it's so childish. You know, uh, What's the ultimate? That, that means you just say that if you don't uh, commit at, to, at this point, I'm going to leave you. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think like, people are afraid. So it's like a trump card. Yeah. People, people are afraid to do that because, sure. because they love the person so much, right? They are like, I can't live without this person. You know, like, uh, I really think we have so much going for us. You know, it's like, it's just a matter of time. He'll marry me. You know, I know it. You know, I, and, and to me, it's like, yes, that's all great. But you need to love yourself more. Because it's like, if you don't walk away at this point, you might never walk away. And then you just need to live with the fact that this is how the relation is going, relationship is going to be. I mean, unless you are completely happy that he will never marry you, then that's fine. But if you keep harboring the hope that it will go somewhere and you keep waiting for him, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, yeah. What about divorce though? Because, you know, being an Asian culture and, and divorce is such a taboo yeah. subject. Um, how, what kind of, things that you tell people if they should be considering that even just to get started with. Okay, this is like so scary. Like because uh, when I was younger, I mean, of course, I read like the stats, you know, I read books and apparently like um, they say that marriages, you know, like um, it's always like a wanted, wanted, wanted thing. Like so um, it's like that's the wanted of people who are like generally like they're happy. Mm -hmm. And then that's the wanted that they are unhappy and probably they'll divorce. And maybe the wanted where they are like, like that, you know, like sort of like not very happy, not very unhappy, but they kind of like cruise along. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, that. that's like quite sad, right? Because like, I mean, being the idealist, right? I'm like, oh, you know, people get married, they should be happy. They should, you know, like love each other, you know, spend, you know. 
Um, and as I grow older now, like, right, like I look at my friends, I look at like you know like uh, uh, um, you know like uh, acquaintances, right, yeah. and and I really see that it it is true, yeah, and and then the challenge now is that. Um, I was actually just uh, watching this TED talk like just yesterday. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. You you should check it out. So um, this this lady, it's like I think she is a marriage therapist or a psychiatrist, some, something along those lines, where she meets a lot of people who have affairs. Yeah, and then she talk about like uh, why people have affairs, which I mean to a certain extent maybe also it could be why people divorce as well. And um, it's very interesting because you know like. In the past, when you get divorced or you have an affair, like it could be because you are looking for because you're very miserable. Yeah, you're very miserable, like in whatever you are, and then uh, you want to uh, get away from this misery. But now it's like people are actually looking at it, at it as like maybe it will make me happier. So it's not that I'm not happy, but maybe I can be happier. Oh. Yeah, but there's the, so there's two sides of the coin, right? Yes. How do okay, great. So that's a that's a difference there. And yeah. so how can you then know maybe which which side do you belong to? I I think that's that's just very very tough. So that's why like, for my husband and myself, right? Like, we decided from day one that um, we would not use the word divorce. Like no matter like how bad things get, because. Um, I, I feel in a way that's like bailing out yeah and like for us it's really about always putting our marriage first so from the day we got married I, I mean we, we, we heard this sermon like many many years ago and then we, we felt that that was really great which is like always putting your marriage first so like our marriage comes before our children our marriage comes before our business so if we have to make a decision like it's always we will work on our marriage first because like without our marriage like the family wouldn't go well. Like, I mean, the business is, of course, like then secondary. So I feel it's that decision that people have to make. Because if you think about it, it's like, again, you know, barring like physical violence, right? Or, or whatever, like abusive, like uh, relationship, really you know, debt aside, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But other than that, it's like, you think about it, it's a marriage, there's so many problems. And of course, there will be problems, you know. Just like maybe among colleagues, you just see each other for like eight hours a day, there are problems. Like you're married to this person, of course there will be problems. And after a while, you take each other for granted, you know, like all the things that used to like uh, uh, be very amused, you know, you find it very amused or very funny or very happy, might, might start to get on your nerves. Yeah, it, it's normal. So it's like getting out of this marriage doesn't mean that the next one will be better. So I think it's, it's that it's really that commitment of staying on to making it work, which I think now it's like, there's always the, what if? So sometimes I have conversations with people. So it's like, okay, their marriage is not like 10 out of 10, right? But maybe it's like um, six out of 10, okay. five and a half out of 10. And the, the idea is that this is my last chance. You know, like if I get out of this marriage right now, maybe I can find a marriage that's seven out of 10 or 8 out of 10, or 9 out of 10, or 10 out of 10. Mm. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why, you know, the older generation, they say that we, I don't know, like they say, you know, you guys just bail out at the first instance. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I saw that you have a brief uh, relationship or still have a mentorship relationship with Claire. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Claire Chang, she's from Banyan Tree. Yes, that's right. And um, how, how, how did that relationship form? Um, oh, okay. Like, yeah. That's like super random. So, <laughs> so um, after we started the business and then, uh, of course, you know, like um, one of the best ways to like, you know, get people to know about us is like if we can appear on some media, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, again, that time we were very small. Nobody had heard of, about us. And then a friend actually said that, hey, you know, like, do you know that there's this show coming up on like uh, um, 938 Live? Yeah, and then uh, they are going to talk about matchmaking. You know, like since you are doing this, why don't you get yourself onto the show? I, I think this person maybe is joking, right? But me being like very thick skin, <laughs> so I, I really searched up the producer and then I wrote her an email. That's important, especially <laughs> your business depends on it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know, so this is what I do, this is who I am, you know, like uh, maybe, you know, like if you think that uh, I can contribute, you know, like I will be uh, very happy, you know, to, to come along. And she replied and she said yes. Right, so, um, and uh, Claire, she was at that point the uh, chairperson of this government initiative called Romancing Singapore. Yeah. And so that's how we met. Yep. So it's like very random. So like I always say that the best thing that happened for me uh, wasn't the radio show. Not that it wasn't good, but was really to meet Claire. Yeah. Uh, which was I didn't expect it to end up that way. So I always tell like um, you know like young young aspiring entrepreneurs right, like just ask. You know, it's like just be very thick skin. You know, it's like what's the worst thing that can happen? Like they just say no lor. Yeah, so that, that's what I always say, right? Um, and from there, you know, she invited me to join um, the Rotary Club that she's part of. And um, yeah, and since then, you know, she, she has been a great mentor to me. Yeah, not just like, you know, from a business front, but also like really, um, because, you know, I, I feel Claire is like really a woman that uh, she has it all. And I think that that's the, the question that a lot of people ask, like, can a woman have it all? Yeah, and I think, you know, like um, I mentioned just now where I got married and I have kids and then the career and and definitely, you know, like there will be times where you feel guilty about different things, you know, like uh, am I not being a good enough wife? Am I not being a good enough mother? You know, like am I spending enough time on the business? Things like that. And I, I what I've learned from her, which was like very uh, insightful, is that yes, a woman can have it all, but not all at the same time. Which I thought that was... Yeah, very wise. Yeah, and I think um, since then, you know, I kind of like don't beat myself up about a lot of things. Yeah, so like now I see my life like not in terms of days or even weeks because it's like I travel so much. Like last month, I was like uh, out most of the month. And um, if I just want to beat myself up, there's so many things I can feel guilty about, you know, like my kids don't see me enough and things like that. But I arrange my, my life like really in like chunks of like months or even years. Yeah, so um, I, I have a routine, like um, I have a, a monthly date with like each of my kids. So it's just like me and my son or me and my daughter, like me and my husband, me and my parents. And I actually organize all of this in Trello, which is like this uh, project management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and Very you know, cool. I have checklists, I take it off. And then um, I have like my annual like uh, mother-daughter trip, annual mother-son trip, annual couple trip, annual parents trip. Yeah, so like that's how I keep it going because there's no way I can be spending like four or five hours a day with my kids. It's just not going to happen. And like if I beat myself up about that, then like 
I, I don't think I can, I can just go about doing whatever I uh, want to do. And the, the kids understand as well because now they're older. And um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love that you do that. And this was underscore that is about quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not quantity. So I, I think to be fair, again, you know, like, but for young kids, actually, quantity is also important. Yeah. So that's why, like, um, for, for example, weekends, weekends are like for my kids. So like, I don't do anything on my weekends other than like, uh, you know, spending time with my kids. And also school holidays, like that's where, you know, like I really like just be there like 24-7. We go on, um, you know, holidays where um, it's just us because um, then, <laughs> I always say sometimes when I go on holiday, I feel more tired than working. <laughs> because, you know, when I'm at yeah, home, yeah, you know, yeah. I have my helper, you know, like there's the support network. But when I go on holiday with the kids, I'm the helper as well, you know. Like, <laughs> I have to clean up do, after that. you do like, like solo trip with each of them? Yes, I do that. Oh, wow, that's very yeah. fascinating. Yeah, because I, I learned that again from other, other people, you right. know, like and other entrepreneurs and it, I, I tried it and it was fantastic because, you know, now even though like I do spend time with them, but it's different because like they will be fighting for my attention sometimes. Like, you know, Coco will be saying something, then Meme will be saying something. But when it's just us, like it, it's just very fun. Like they travel with me and then um, usually it's a work trip. And then like when I'm working, they will like drawing or whatever. And then like then we will have like one day where it's just like having fun and then we'll go Disneyland. And it, it's just oh, awesome. So yeah. And and just to go back a little bit on, on, on Claire, how do you sort of like develop that relationship into something that maybe is is long longer term? Because I think a lot of people have the opportunity that's sort of like in front of their face, but then they, they don't know how to follow up. Mm, I think um, what I have realised is a lot of, um, you know, these very successful people, they are definitely at the stage in their life where they want to give back. So actually, they, they would be very happy to mentor. So again, recently, um, I, I met another uh, person that at first I was like, feeling a bit like, oh, should I, should I not? And then once I asked, like, he was just so uh, open. He was like, yeah, you know, I would love to mentor you. So I think sometimes it's really just asking. Yeah, and, and of course, after that, it's, it's both ways, right? Like, I think a lot of times, like, people see that um, it's, it's about just taking and taking, and that, that's also not the way to go about it. It's also, like, giving as well. So I think my relationship with Claire developed because um, I became a part of the uh, Rotary Club that she's part of, and um, that's also very in line with uh, what I enjoy doing, you know, because Rotary Club is actually a service club. Yeah, so um, that's where, you know, I also give back, like where I, um, I will lead projects, you know, and, and things like that. And that's how we keep that communication. And um, like, we work together on many different things. And so eventually, it's just, uh, it's just very, it's just very natural. Yeah. Okay, so a quick round of uh, questions. Yes. Uh, what are some books that would serve as a good primer uh, into this whole uh, relationship and dating sort of? Um, two books that come into mind. Uh, one is uh, Why Men Marry Some Women and Not Others. I can't remember the author, okay. but uh, I mean, there's only one book that's okay. under that, that, that name. And um, why this book is very interesting is because it's um, based on uh, data. Yeah, so this guy basically hire people to stand outside the registry of marriage and then ask the guys. 
okay. yeah. So so I thought that was awesome. Uh, and another one is uh, books by John Gottman. So John Gottman, it's like one of the gurus when it comes to like uh, marriage uh, and relationship. And again, it's also uh, based on data. So he has it like really, you know, drill down that he can just listen to a couple quarrel for like 10, 15 minutes and he can predict what's the likelihood of this couple going for a divorce or not. Oh, wow. So if we, I were to start, which one should I go first? With John, what you are looking out for. <laughs> because okay. the people who are single, maybe it's more interesting for them to go for the first book, right? right but for right. people who are like already in a relationship like or planning to get married, I, I mean the second book is uh, is good for people who are in a relationship. Oh, be the title? Um, uh, he has a lot of books. Okay. Yeah, so like I mean just John Gottman and then like there's one like seven principles of like a happy marriage, something, a successful okay. marriage, something Gottman, like that. So G G-O-T-T-M-A-N. G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is the books, all books you have given most as a gift? Uh, the John Gottman book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but sometimes I worry that people get offended. <laughs> so you bought a, a whole collection? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like sometimes when people get married, like then I'll give them this book. <laughs> but usually it's for very, very close friends Got because it. like you don't want people to get very offended, right? Yep, yep. Like why are you giving me this book? <laughs> but because it, it has really helped um, Jamie and I in our marriage as well. Mm. Yeah, because there are just certain things to look out for. Like, um, and as long as, you know, like, I always say to people, I say, it's fine to quarrel. Yeah, but it's how you quarrel that matters. And as long as you steer clear of some of these things, you, you are fine, you can quarrel every day. But just, you know, you need to make sure you steer clear of some of these markers. Uh, what have you purchased recently under $100 that has impacted your life most? <clears throat> this is uh, a tough one. Like when I saw the question, I'm like, hmm, like can't really think of any. But then, um, I thought, actually, I would say, it's, it's actually this bracelet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, um, well, I'm doing like free advertising for them. So, anyways. It's good. <laughs> so, uh, I, I got this bracelet. It has the word like uh, courage uh, inscripted on it. So, um, every year, I actually have, uh, uh, I'll, I'll think of a word, yeah, to sort of like guide me, uh, you know, throughout the year. So, for last year, the word was connect. Yeah, and that's why I make it a point to like really connect uh, with like new people, old people. Uh, so this year, like I feel that what would really bring me to the next level is the word courage. Yeah, and um, I thought like how do I remind myself that this is the word? Like because last year like it was kind of like okay, that's the word and that's it. So uh, I decided to get this like bracelet. Yeah, to, and I wear it every day. So it reminds me that this is my word. And if people want to get the same bracelet, where can <laughs> it's from the Mindful Company. <laughs> there we go, the Mindful Company. Yes. And so it's like an online thing, you just type in the yes, words um, and then so, ship it to you? So there are some companies that um, or, that they actually, you, you can choose, you can decide on your own word and they make it. But uh, for Mindful Company, um, it's already ready mixed, so they only have certain words. So luckily they have the word that I wanted. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. What is the worst advice you see or hear being dispensed in your world? Um, I would say um, do something that you are passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so why I say that is because in in my world, right? Like um, I would say it's really the matchmaking business. So I see that a lot of people come into this business because they are passionate about it. Yeah, which, which is great because like, I think for sure, whatever you want to do, you need to have that passion. But passion is not enough. 
So what, what I've seen in this industry is that sometimes why people fail is because they have the passion, but they don't have the know-how, or they just don't have the business sense. And uh, like it or not, ultimately, unless you're doing this for free, it is a business. So you need to, like, of course, be passionate about helping people, but also be able to scale up on your business sense if you originally you know, did not have or you already have. So I think it applies to um, a lot of other things as well. Like, um, I think passion is not enough. It's like, more importantly, if you ask me, like, I feel it's also perseverance. Yeah, so it's really the, like, never say die, like, just keep going, like, just one step at a time, like, because for me, I feel that perseverance is like, as long as you just keep putting one foot ahead of the other, you might be going slower than what you want it to be, but you would eventually get there, as long as you do not stop. Got it. Are there any uh, routines or habits that you find important? Um, so for me, like, um, I, I have tried out a lot of different things. Uh, one thing that have worked out very well for me uh, now is uh, to practice like 15-20 minutes of yoga in the morning. Yeah, so that sort of just wake me up and then like uh, I feel healthier, you know, like uh, stretches. And um, the evening routine is really like uh, sitting down and then just uh, having a conversation with my hubby. Yeah, because even though we work uh, in the same office and uh, we actually sit opposite each other, yeah, but there, there are days that like, you know, be it like um, he's having his own meetings and then like, you know, I'm running around outside. Uh, so we, we always have this, um, either we sit down, you know, have a tea together or now like because um, we want to clock 10,000 steps. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, will, we will go out, you know, like walk, uh, you know, like maybe uh, grab, grab a drink or like sometimes, you know, just like walk around the estate. Yeah. When you think of the word successful, who came into your mind and why? Mm, I think that there are just uh, many different people, yeah, and for many different reasons. So I think it's very difficult to sort of just put one person. Um, but I think if, if someone that I personally know, like I would say is my mentor, Claire Chiang, because like I say, you know, I feel that she's someone who really uh, have it all in the sense that um, she, she runs her own business, you know, it's successful. Um, she has a happy marriage. Um, she has like three amazing kids, like because I've met all of them, like I'm, I'm very impressed, like how to raise like kids like that. <laughs> and then, um, and she's very, um, I would say she's a change maker. Like, you know, she's very active in um, a lot of um, different things. Like, uh, you know, be it like Rotary, which she invited me to join her. Mm. Or like just, like, I think the latest one, she's like in National Defence. Oh, like, wow. she's on that committee. It's like, in, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, and previously she was like, uh, working with the zoo. Yeah, I need to, <laughs> yeah, she's on the list now. <laughs> so, so I think, um, to me, it's, it's not so much about like, um, I mean, okay, if you ask me, like, not a person, but you ask me what success is to me, right? I think success to me is really to live up to your fullest potential. Yeah, and that's something that I'm very, very passionate about, like to really um, help people or encourage people or inspire people to live up to their fullest potential because I believe that each and every one of us, we have so much to give, but sometimes it's like um, due to like limiting beliefs, like we just stop ourselves. But if we can just have that sort of breakthrough, I think that's what success is about. Any advice for your 20 and 30 year old self and place us where I'm at? Um, 20, 30 year old self. 
Mm, I actually wrote a blog post on this. Um, but I think if, if one thing, it's like really just... Um, to this, to 20. 20. Like, do not, do not worry so much about whether you are being liked. Yeah, I think like people like you. Like I think like that was something that was a very big thing for me because being a very social person, like I always like feel that oh you no know, people don't like me or I feel like very snubbed for certain things, and I, I think it was like really quite a waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you know I've I come to the, the realization that um, there will always be people who like are your fans, and then there will be people who really hate you. And, and that's fine, you know, as long as um, you're at peace with yourself, you are doing the right things, you are, you know, like living up to the values that you have set up for yourself. Um, to my 30-year-old self, I would say, like, be healthier. <laughs> I, I am turning 37 this month. And seriously, right, like, when I was 25, I felt it. When I was 30, I felt it. When I was 35, I felt it. Like, I, I think, like, it's really not something to play with. Like, um, I wish that I really have inculcated a lot more, like, healthy practices, be it, like, eating well, or be it, like, exercising, like, uh, when I was younger. Yeah. All right. Um, are there any asks or uh, requests for the audience, uh, things you'd like them to, to do or to think about? Mm. I think there's a lot to think about, really, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, Any pa I, last parting words? No? I, I, think, I think, like, um, you know, whatever, like, their dreams are, like, um, do not stop dreaming. Like, I know, like, sometimes um, people might put you down or, like, there are a lot of naysayers, which I have encountered a lot. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you truly believe in what you want to achieve, um, just keep going. Where can people find you or your projects on the interwebs? <laughs> uh, they can find me. I keep a blog at violetlin.com. And of course, uh, if they are interested to find out a bit more about what we do, uh, they can go to lunchactually.com. What's up, people? It's over. So as usual, all show notes, links, books can be found on the website, brianvictor.com, B-R-Y-A-N. If you have any misfits that you'd like to hear from, feel free to drop me an email and thank you again for you know giving your time to listen to this episode. I hope you guys have a fantastic week ahead. <laughs>